What's up, everyone? We're back with our Blow It Up 76ers edition. They flamed out in the first round of the playoffs this year, even though Ben Simmons was hurt. Uh, probably had a little bit higher expectations, definitely coming into the season. Boston was a tough matchup, though, so here we are talking about how to get Ben Simmons and Joe Embiid separated from each other like we've done in basically every single podcast. Um, but really, though, like, I mean... Do you want to start with some general thoughts on the pair and just how you see them fitting and just if they can coexist? For sure. Uh, well, first, they have uh, already started to blow it up. They ran their coach out of town and they got Doc Rivers in. So I'll be very curious to see how he approaches things. Um, but it might actually put a damper on any sort of big swings they're going to take in the offseason with trades just because of you know, there's a tendency to let's see if our new coach can mm -hmm. make the new crew or the crew that we already have work versus, you know, making wholesale changes when they just change coaches. But it's more fun to talk about player trades because coaches can be important. But at the end of the day, obviously, players are out there on the court. And if you have personnel issues, there's only so much you can do to get around it. Um, in terms of Simmons and Embiid, I think it's probably well known for uh, the loyal listeners and yourself that we try to separate them <laughs> just because I don't think that they can hit their ultimate ceiling. I don't think that that's going out on a limb to say the two of them kind of muck things up for one another. Embiid likes to live in the post. I mean, he's like top three or better post player in the league. And... Simmons just doesn't provide any... Like, he literally will not shoot. It's not even... I don't even know if it's accurate to say he can't shoot because he just won't. Like, we've never seen it. Like, obviously, he's not good, but, I mean, maybe maybe he has some, like, 30% upside of a shooter, but he just refuses to. And so we just don't know. But ultimately... And also, Simmons loves, like, transition game, and B does not get up and down the court all too well. There's been a lot of issues with his conditioning and just his overall general health. So I think it's probably maybe even better that he doesn't try to play like extra possessions by running uh, in transition frequently. So best version of Ben Simmons is getting up and down the court, which MB doesn't do. And he also clogs the paint when Simmons maybe tries to do his driving and um, penetration and kick game. So like, sure, there's ways to work around that, and there's ways to probably stagger them. But ultimately, if your two best players have very little cohesion on the court, then, yeah, I'm going to try to move one of them uh, and maximize the team we have on the court. Yeah, and I don't know. I kind of fall in a little bit of different thought with this just because I don't know if I'm being a traditionalist by just thinking, oh, yeah, let's let a new coach get in there and try it out. But I think their situation is a little different because – uh, someone pointed out on another podcast, but it's just like Brett Brown was there for the start of the process. He was there to get them through the process and stuff, and like they grew up with him. And I mean, you just—it's just how like things work. Like you get comfortable around like a coach and stuff. And I think he's been coaching them like six years or so. It's like really hard for him to like really start randomly like laying down the law. So I mean, Embiid probably feels perfectly comfortable slacking off and not always staying in great shape and Simmons is like oh I play how I play like I don't need to add a jumper and things like that and it's like Brett Brown was even like calling him out in the media like I just don't know what Brett Brown could have done to get Simmons to start shooting and maybe you get Doc Rivers in there who's like 
that's kind of his thing, like managing personalities, being like the strong, just veteran mindset in there. And like he knows how to win. Just, I mean, I don't really even know how I feel about his actual coaching, but just he does win and uh, is it, uh, just has like a commanding personality to where like he's going to get players to kind of buy in and maybe listen and just the idea of just getting any new voice in there to tell them it's just a second person saying you need to be doing these things and it's just um it's i mean you gotta it's the coach coming in telling you like this is how things are gonna be done and so that's just i am interested in see to see how things will work but i'm not like completely set on oh we need to just run it back with this roster um there's a lot of rearranging i think you can do in between the two and i think i ultimately fall in the fact that yeah i still want to see simmons and Embiid a little bit um because they're just two superstars so young and that's a pretty rare thing to have that and like you said, like there's just so many reasons they're not perfect together. But they're not going to play 48 minutes together on the court. They're going to – I mean, you can really work it out to where they play 20 to 24 or something like that. And you can still throw lineups out there that are close to optimizing both. It's just like um, just putting like really solid rosters out there. Maybe it's not perfect fits, but I mean how – I mean, look at the Lakers now. Like I wouldn't call them a perfect fit roster at all. Uh, plenty, yeah, plenty. In Clippers, like they basically everyone on the Clippers is ball dominant, no like pass the ball. Yeah, they flamed out, but I mean, I think they it's very easy they could have won the finals and things like that. So, I think I with just the fact that I just fall back eventually or at the end on just they're just two super young superstars. Uh, you get like a new veteran coach in there, maybe optimize them a little bit more roster wise, and I think maybe you just can guarantee yourself like six or seven more years of just being at least like good to very good uh that's interesting so i definitely think there is some credence to you know hanging on to two star players i i guess i would see it a little bit different like they're both i don't know so like it's funny that Doc is going there to be like the steadying locker room presence when we just heard the Clippers had like all of these yeah. uh, issues where personalities were clashing and the star treatment of like PG and Kawhi was not taken too favorably by some of their players. And there's like all these strange leaks, like um, maybe Montrose Harrell or Lou Williams are not really sure. And like, it was just kind of a little bit strange in Clipper land all year. And you would have expected that would be one thing like Doc is really good at. Like you said, not exactly certain if he's like a mastery of X's and O's or defensive scheming or rotations and, and things of that nature. But you would expect him to have the personality thing and the command of the room and just like the veteran coach presence, coaching presence. But that didn't exactly play out in the Clippers. Uh, for the Clippers last year, so it was just interesting that that was their choice, and it was their immediate choice. Like they got uh, Doc was available for what, like forty-eight hours, and he was already snapped up. Um, so that's interesting to me. I guess I just generally fall on the side of all those fit issues, and also um, I know you said that they are young, but they're both kind of piling up a little bit of injury history. I mean, Embiid, of course, came in with all the red flags on uh, as a draftee and he's had foot and knee and like back issues and then ben simmons obviously missed his entire rookie season and now he missed the playoffs this year and i feel like i don't know i feel like they both have done a little bit of struggling to stay on the court yeah so I, uh, it's like you could move on from one of them with like a health concern in mind uh, go ahead jump in yeah uh i was going to transition to that too in a minute i guess uh last thing 
I'll say before we can go maybe a little deeper into what you just brought up. Uh, yeah, it's kind of just something we've talked about before, just the struggle between like as a front office trying to do things to optimize your championship window or versus like just kind of trying to be good for a while. Like it's just kind of what your owner wants, what you just think is more valuable to your franchise. Because, I mean, even if you try to set yourself up to win a championship as best as possible, like, um, I mean, it's still really hard to do. Like, it's really hard to win a championship in the league. So One um, team can win per season. Yeah. And, I mean, look at next year. Like, the Warriors are coming back. Like, all these juggernauts are staying around. Maybe Giannis goes somewhere. Yeah, and the Nets are coming now, too. Like, it's so hard to win a championship in the league, especially right now. So I think there is maybe value, maybe now more than ever, more value to just kind of putting out a quality franchise out there. Um, yeah, you can it, you you can uh, add to that or just get a little deeper into like the injury history if you want. Yeah, I mean, it's, residing in Minnesota, I certainly can respect being decent for a long time since being dreadful is terrible. And you want to be like 40, 45, 50 wins. Like there's definitely a value to that. I think in Philly, maybe, maybe it's yeah. just like personality of like the fans or whatnot, but it's seen as a place where it's kind of championship or bust. They're not too interested in being like the five seed and, and flaming out. Yeah. Philly's uh, famous for their sports fans. I think the best part is, I don't know if this is true, but on um, what on the part of my take podcast when they were talking about one of the most recent uh, Eagles games, they said they added in a fake boost for fan noise to the to the Eagles too, like not into the other team. I don't know if that was like a joke or not, but I mean that's basically Philly sports right there. No, I think that is true because I heard that as well. Unless we both and I, not from part of my take, but from somewhere else, I think that actually is true. Um, so yeah, so maybe they are more of like a championship type of mindset. Um, but as far as just like keeping those guys around and being good, like like solid to you know top four ish seed or something, maybe that is what they ultimately will have to do because the big problem with their entire roster is they have two massively terrible contracts that are just extremely hard to maneuver around, like in Harris and Horford, that are going to keep them pretty solid. Like if you have Simmons and Embiid you're not going to want to give those guys away, like attach assets to them or just take back like terrible dead money in return because, I mean, you have two stars. Like, why would you just dump them? Yeah. But at the same and, time, it's hard yeah, to get really good with that. And just structure. real quick to add to that, like people love to crap on like terrible contracts and stuff. But if you're in a situation, I guess I'll go ahead and use this to get to my opinion on the Tobias Harris contract. But um, if you're in a situation like the Sixers are where you're capped out, like the opportunity costs, like you don't gain anything by getting off the bad contract. Like you don't gain points that help you anywhere. You just lose a what actually is like a good basketball player, despite his like him not being worth his contract at all. So like that doesn't help you win games or probably and you have to, if you have to attach assets, doesn't help your future either. But well, I think I might have touched on this before too, but looking specifically at Harris. While the contract is absolutely terrible, like, and he's not worth it right now, and probably there's, I don't see any route to him being actually worth it. He can be kind of good and get close to it, if best case scenario, but there's really no route to where he's worth his contract. The trade for him was absolutely terrible. Like, that, like, tell they did a terrible job with that. But the contract, like, they didn't lose any, um, like, it wasn't that bad of a move to do because. 
they were capped out and they used like they strategically used this smaller cap hold at like 20 million so they could go out and do other free agency moves and that move was to bring in out horford which doesn't look that good right now but just in general they played that right where they used a smaller cap hold knowing they just at the end of the day we're going to be capped out regardless so kind of paying him thir- the 32 million instead of paying him 25 million like there's no opportunity cost there to them other than ownership money and um and there's like teams waiting to give him four-year maxes like he would have got a four-year max had he not signed with the sixers like so many teams had double max space like i think the jazz were like rumored to do it the nets were a team that's maybe interested the knicks like, there's a lot of teams who uh were at least attached to him in free agency and he would have ended up and that's kind of just how free agency works like the next biggest fish is going to get like uh the next biggest contract when like the big the top guys start signing so the Sixers used his like cap, his small cap hold strategically well, and then yeah, they overpaid him at the end. But at, it was literally just more dollars that they were over the cap. It wasn't like oh, they since they paid him eight million too much, they don't have eight million. Go get another player. Like they were going to be capped out regardless. And you could actually say they kind of handled the cap hold situation kind of well. Trade absolutely terrible. But I think people need to look at all the context and look at the Tobias Harris contract. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, I think we talked about similarly with the Warriors, like, you know, you use a smaller cap hold, like in their case, Curry, um, oh, way back when. But basically, there's no opportunity cost besides ownership cash, is which, which is what you said. And it's almost like, I mean, keeping the space open and getting Horford and then signing him, it's like almost, you know, it's a small loophole, right, in the in the salary cap, because now they can exceed the cap by like $28 million or something to bring Harris back. The one thing... Maybe I won't even, not wouldn't say argue with you about, but just I guess it's surprising to me that he would have had like four year maxes. And I, I don't doubt that that was true, but man, like he's been traded three times already. And he's like only, I don't even know, like 27 or so years old. And he just doesn't, I think he's 28. Um, he doesn't give you, the things he gives you don't seem that valuable to me, like that I'd be cutting four year, whatever, 120 million on the open market. I, like I'm sure that it, that that was the case, but I mean the biggest thing is I don't know why they just didn't go to Jimmy Butler on day one with the five year max. I mean sure it's easy to say now because he's like doing really well with the Heat, but like even at the time like he's way better than Harris and maybe it was a personality clash. Like I think maybe he him and Simmons didn't get along great or something, but that seems like an egregious decision to if they prioritize Harris over Butler. Yeah. Maybe it was just the fact that Harris would take their money and Butler was kind of like eyeing other places, but just want to throw that in there. Like the yeah. Harris piece, it was bad if you think about that they, if they chose him over Butler. Yeah, that's a great point too. If they decided Harris over Butler, because they could have basically done the same thing with Butler, uh, they wouldn't be able to. Get, I don't think they would have been able to get Horford then. But then they probably could have resigned JJ Redick with Bird rights instead. So kind of looking at Tobias Harris and Al Horford or JJ Redick and Jimmy Butler and it's not looking too good right now um and we probably need to get to trades at some point considering how many potential trades we we might have for this team so I'll just go ahead and kind of start setting the table for that um so something you definitely touched on already was the injury situation for both and they've both been hurt a lot like Simmons or Embiid's been a little bit healthier than probably expected, just maybe like the last two years. Uh, but it'll have like these like just missed like random like two weeks or whatever for whatever's going on, like sore knee or whatever. And you'll see Ben Simmons run the show and everyone be like, Oh, now they're on the bandwagon of you gotta trade Embiid and 
but when like people try and just like measure the talent and it's kind of nothing special in your mind a lot of times you hear trade simmons and just get some guards put around and beat but the injuries really factor into that and it's kind of without having access to the medicals and even then if you were capable of understanding what all that means like um it's really hard to have an exact to have an answer to it so the way i kind of just approached it was i looked at okay so what if like the common phrase with Joel Embiid is like, is he a ticking time bomb? And that was actually one of the thoughts going around about the Tobias Harris trade, like why they pushed so hard to go all in because they already had Butler. And uh, I think the injury concerns were a little stronger for Embiid than, uh, what was that, I guess a year and a half ago. And But now Simmons, like you said, he missed the playoffs and had, what, a few, I think, a few other small injuries. And now he people forget he missed his first season too. And... Right. So there's the whole issue with, is he a ticking time bomb? I mean, they're both still so young, but never really know. So I kind of approached like that. I decided to look at, use that. So like, what if we decide to trade Embiid because we were more scared about his medicals and then vice versa with Simmons. And then kind of like the thing I talked about in the beginning, how I think the way I would approach it is I'd still be seeing what we got with both of them and maybe just reshuffling all the in-betweens. So I kind of just looked at deals where I took that route as well. Okay, so you don't have any Simmons or Embiid trades? No, I, I do. I looked at it from my, basically all three angles. Like, okay, oh, what if we it. decided Embiid was the time bomb, we got to trade him, and then what if we decided that Simmons was? Okay. Perfect. Um, I mean, I kind of did... A, I did look at some trades that were, like, improving the fit. I did some that were, like, challenge trades. I had some were, like, kind of a mini reset around Simmons or Embiid. I have some that just were, like, shake up the lineup because it kind of didn't work and they kind of don't fit the greatest. Um, I have some just because they'd be fun to discuss. Um, some geared specifically at just trying to win a title. So I kind of went the whole gamut. Yeah, I started by categorizing mine category uh, categorizing mine as optimize both then optimize bend and then optimize Embiid. but then like for the optimizing just one of them that kind of just turned into not really optimizing the other just like looking for trades for the one that was trading <laughs> they didn't yeah. necessarily find like perfect fits but yeah basically like you said all sorts of different <laughs> categories and types of trades and one thing i'll just add real quick before we start talking about it is Josh Richardson situation. He was kind of on like a steal of a contract, but had a little bit of an off year. People thought he could kind of be the second. Cre- he was the second creator, but maybe he could step it up because he was actually was like on fire when the first time he talked about being traded for Jimmy Butler. Like, I think he was averaging like twenty points a game, being the lead ball handler and scorer for one of Miami's teams. Um, but that kind of fell off this year i don't know if he, i think he suffered some injuries too and just the lack of spacing probably hurt him so i guess he's still and he's set to get paid which i mean i don't know how much of a raise he's due for if you base off this season but if you base off body of work and maybe a bounce back year maybe a decent raise but who knows where the cap will be and all that stuff so not really sure how right now that affects his trade value but if you ask me like before the season if what his trade value was, I'd probably have it a lot higher. But now when you think about it, you get one year cost-controlled. I mean, I still consider him to be a pretty valuable trade asset because you get the cost-controlled year and then you get the year where you have the best chance to retain him should that be your choice. So 
just think he's a pretty valuable asset, and I actually end up getting – you can do a lot of inter- interesting things when you get him involved with the trades too. Yeah, I mean, I think he's for sure still valuable, like super cheap this year for a solid starting two guard, and and yeah, you have a chance. You always sort of have like a little bit of a home court advantage to keeping the guy that was there, I feel like, as well as you obviously have bird rights, so you can pay him – not more than every other team, but more than a lot of teams if they don't have space. Yeah. Um, all right, how do you want to start? you want to just fire away with one or go, like, break down by category? <laughs> it's, it's up to you. Um, so let's, I don't know, we could just jump right in. How about you start us off? Oh, I didn't know how I wanted to start. That's why I asked. You. Oh, all right, that's fine. I can start it then. I have too much to look at. Like I can't decide. It's like being at a restaurant. There's too much on the menu. You just get overwhelmed. Yes, yeah, seriously, same. So I'm gonna start with Atlanta. So I have mine mostly by team, and I have like a lot of I have several Atlanta versions of the trade. But first one is so this is like a fit improvement, and then like like a mini mini reset, I guess. Uh, as well as splitting up, uh, of course, and beating Simmons. So it would be Simmons for Herder, Reddish, the sixth pick this year, and then a future first, like 2022, to call it top five protected. And so you're getting some shooting, some athleticism. You're getting even younger. Um, Reddish, I know you and I are both pretty high on Reddish. Still not quite the upside of Simmons, but then you also have the sixth pick this year and a future first. And so you're probably for certainly taking a little step back this year. But like I said, it's like improving the fit and taking like a little mini reset around Embiid. Yeah, I had the ex- basically the exact same structure written down, um, except I included Deadman as the Hawks so they could also keep Cat's face. And I did three first, so probably okay. just valued Simmons a little more. Only because, like, probably, like you said, two first, when you look at one of them being the sixth pick, that's pretty close to value, but just a premium on superstars. And then also just factoring factoring in that, okay, if he's on the market, like, people, the bidding war aspect. Like, I just think you have to, like, the only way you'd be able to pull the trade off is by overpaying. Uh, but, yeah, I had the same structure written down. The, and I basically think about it the same way as you do. It's like, okay, yeah, you're taking a step back now. I guess the question for Philly would be, are they comfortable? Like, do they have, are they? Does this move optimize any window? Like, maybe they hurt her and reddish. Like, yeah, they. I think they're great fits around Embiid, but may probably not good enough to help you win that much now. But like you said, take the step back now, and then maybe it's like three years from now is when they're in their primes, but Embiid might be out of his prime then. So that'd be the only thing I'd be scared of with that move. Yeah, so this is the big problem that Tobias Harris and Al Horford present because their timeline is now, right, yeah. versus versus some of these trades where they're getting a little bit younger or kind of like spreading out their talent for Simmons or Embiid. So yeah, that's definitely a concern with this deal. I guess this would be more along like like the Pacer model, right? Of just like being solid and like or like the jazz model of like Busted. never trying to never trying to bottom out, um, but not taking like the huge swing where you know, we only have a chance this year, next year. Like this this would be and as well as a two or three first round picks. Like this is gonna sustain them going forward. But yeah, yeah. it's gonna definitely not gonna increase their championship window in the near future. Yeah. 
it kind of goes back to the point I talked about in the beginning, but probably extends it even longer because now they have the assets to keep reshuffling the deck or just keep adding young talent. And then you look at maybe having Richardson still, who's like youngish. Harris, I mean, he's not like crazy old, but he's probably approaching uh, the end of his prime pretty soon, but can probably still help a team for a while. And then Herder Reddish, six pick, then the future picks going forward. You can really extend the window there. Um, and also, like, if you get three first round picks, plus I think they have all their own first after this year. If you, if the trade presents itself, you can always like trade Horford or Harris since they have the big salaries to go with it for like a different star that fits better. So, like, it gives you options going forward for sure. Yeah, kind of like what people have said Andrew Wiggins might be used for as Golden State. Like, they can just, those guys can just play to where it's not like absolute dead money. And then there's other big contracts involved, maybe another bad contracts involved, or it's just you throw enough draft capital at a team that's trying to start a rebuild. Yep. You can uh, actually use that salary to the, your advantage. Something we've kind of t- touched on a lot, how like overpaying for like medium-sized contracts can actually be a good thing. Like the uh, I always reference the Torian Prince contract for the Nets. Like, yeah, he doesn't need 14 million a year, but I mean, it's not killing you, and that just gives you that much more. Trade filler, salary filler to acquire a superstar. Um, so one other, I actually, since I broke mine down into categories, like not necessarily, I did it by team also because like there's lots of like categories where I'd have multiple deals with uh, the same team. But when you said with the Hawks, like I'm just like scrolling through all three of my categories right now, trying to find all right what's Hawks related. Nice. And um, I had one other structure with for Ben Simmons straight to the Hawks, which and. Uh, touching back to our first ever pod, too, we did the Hawks offseason. I just hated myself because I remembered the next day how I completely forgot about Ben Simmons like as a trade target for the Hawks. Like I really like the oh, idea yeah, of Ben yeah. Simmons going there. Um, so the other structure I had is Herter and Deadman again, because I think Deadman's kind of like that medium-sized contract we talked about. I think he would help Philly, but he's definitely a negative value after this last season, but I think he'd be really useful for Philly, just a confident backup center and someone who can shoot and just help, like, probably helps them fit on any sort of unit. Um, yeah, so send Herder, Deadman to, and the sixth pick to Philly, but then you reroute Collins somewhere. You trade Collins somewhere as the Hawks, and just whatever that value is going back to Philly as well. So just one example I wrote down was Golden State. So if you sent, like, John Collins to Golden State, and Golden State sent Philly number two plus the Hawks package, and then the Hawks ended up with Ben Simmons. Okay. So yeah, it'd be yeah. essentially, that. yeah, essentially be using taking like one or so future pick out of the road out of the deal, and then just instead of losing Cam Reddish, you lose uh, John Collins, and just use whatever value you'd return to go uh, to Philly. Um, yeah, I think I like that too. Um, I guess for like, do you have concern about Collins and Simmons together? No, Collins would be going to just Team X and uh, right. Same thing. Is that why you're? Is that why you'd rather oh, include okay. him than Reddish? No, just kind of just the idea. Well, maybe I think I might actually would rather have Reddish going forward just because the contract value and just the potential of a lineup that's mm-hmm. like yeah, just Trey Young, three huge wings with uh, tighter creation ability between Simmons and Reddish, and then. Capella's not the perfect fit. I mean, when you have four people who seem like they'd be the perfect fit, like, it's not that big of a deal. Um, yeah, it's just a different structure. 
So I don't even know like where to transition next. I'm like, okay, do I keep throwing out some of my Ben Simmons trades or do I do another one of my Hawks trades? I'll always uh, stick with the Hawks because I have another Hawks trade too. You know, go for your other Hawks ones because my Hawks ones is actually probably would fit better in a different discussion, but we'll see. Okay, so this one maybe will be short. So this one is just a straight up challenge trade and fit improvement. Uh, what if you trade Trey Young for Ben Simmons? Wow. Who, who would who would reject that? Do you think the Hawks? Really? I mean, yeah, the contract aspect one, but two, I just don't think you give up a primary on-ball guy for someone like Ben Simmons. Who, yeah, he's a point guard on-ball, but he can't break down a defense from – he can't shoot from 30 feet out and draw attention from 30 feet out. And I love Simmons. I'm pretty high on Simmons, but I just don't – it's kind of like trading. And he probably is – You're really high on Trey Young, then. Well, it's the art – like the prototype. Like kind of just like – Someone who I know can be my number one ball handler. I think that's like the most valuable thing in the league. Like, ironically, probably wings are the next most valuable. But it's it goes back to like something we talked about my drafting strategies. Like I almost can never see myself wanting to take a big one with a high pick because I just think on ball creators are so valuable that you I would much rather take the risk of getting one on a, a team control for four years or taking a wing to get team control of a wing. So, but I just you think. Basically... Oh, Go ahead. I just think on-ball creation is, like, so important. And being guarded from 30 feet out is huge. Do you basically view Ben Simmons as, like, a power forward then? Because, I mean, he's a point guard, right? He's, like, uh, supposed to be a creator with the ball. I mean, obviously, he's not creating his own shot, but... I think he's can be your second ball handler on your offense. But I, mean, I just don't think he... Maybe if you optimize the perfect team around him, he could be your number one ball handler. But... I just think you need someone who's more of a threat to score and has to be guarded further out. And, yeah, I just think that type of player is more of a – like Ben Simmons, you could probably – I mean, this is never something like I've internally debated like who's the better player right now or who will be better. Um, well, actually, I take that back. When I hosted the redraft of the league for the draft class, I had the 13th pick. And – I wanted a – like, I had one team, I think six pick, took Kawhi or something like that. But then at 13th pick, I stepped between Trey Young and Ben Simmons. So, I guess I had to beat the two before. And I went with Ben Simmons then just for the challenge of building a team around him. Um, I was leaning Trey, but I was like, you know, it would be more fun to construct this team around Ben Simmons. So, yeah, I just think you got to have that on-ball guy in the league today. Okay. So you think Philly would love that trade then? Or do you think that they would also turn it down? <laughs> they might would turn it down, but I don't like I think I mean they might be a championship favorite if they have like one of the best on ball guys who's also shooting from so deep and giving Embiid and everyone else that much more space on the six. They like they'll go from a terribly spaced team to like a team with plenty of space just like that. Yeah, like Richardson and Embiid both plus defenders, Embiid obviously is can lock down the paint when he's rolling. Because um, obviously Trey Young is, you know, he rates out as like a bottom five defensive player in the entire league. He weighs like 150 pounds, um, give or take. So uh, I'd just be certain, super interesting to see him there. But I guess you're right. I guess you probably would turn it down if, it's a, if you're if you're the Hawks. But that is kind of it's kind of amazing actually. I, guess, I don't know. Trey Young is like maybe everyone just like laughs at the fact that he can't play defense and that he was like the other side of. 
what everyone considers just a horrendous trade for the for being the yeah. Luca trade. Um, so yeah, I guess I never, I guess I didn't consider the fact that Atlanta for sure turns that down. I mean, do you think if Philly threw in even picks wouldn't sway you probably? Probably not, honestly. Yeah. All right. Well, fair enough. I thought it was just interesting to think about. Uh, it's a challenge trade, you know, point guard for point guard, young star for young star. Yeah, that is uh, – it is interesting, but I just think it, you got to have the guy who's going to – you can trust to handle the ball and be like a primary scorer. And Trey Young, I mean, he was like, he was like, average like 30 and 10 this year with no help, no other options, and like pretty good efficiency. And he also posted like great spot-up numbers. Like it wasn't that big of a sample size, but I mean it showed like if you had another ball handler – he was shooting like he had like a 75 e field goal out of spot up situations, which is like insane. So, still probably some untapped potential, but there. Um, so I guess I'll tr- kind of just transition into I'll do another Hawks one, but this is completely different than anything we've talked about so far, and this is under my category of if we're keeping the two stars together in Philly. And I have a whole section for this that we can probably breeze through the rest pretty quick. Um, but just to stay on the Hawks, what about Josh Richardson for number six and Kevin Herter? From Philly's perspective, getting a little more team control, you're getting an extra pick. Perfect fit guy, too, in between the two players. The guard-heavy draft, chance to get another guard. Yeah, I mean, I'm probably doing that if I'm Philly. What about the Atlanta side of it? Yeah, it is a tough sell because, I mean, uh, Richardson isn't the youngest, but, I mean, they do want to take their strides this year, and he still is relatively young. Um, he's can He immediately adds to, the, like, the steps they've made on their defense. Like, he could be their point-of-attack guy. Then they have their wing guys and Hunter and Reddish. And they have a defensive-minded center, too. Giving up the sixth pick, that's pretty steep. Uh, you can probably – I mean, the herder loss you probably don't even notice considering Josh Richardson will be your new starting two guard. You have, still have other options. Like Reddish can play some two in big lineups. And, I mean, you can probably, you'll probably end up signing another guard, too. So I don't think you notice the herder loss too much. Um, the sixth stuff maybe – uh, what it comes down to is like Philly, since they end up getting that Thunder pick, maybe they get they add their pick too. So it's like a pick swaps. They swap like six and twenty or twenty one, like whatever that Thunder pick is. And I think yeah, that's twenty one. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair value for both sides. And I'll just real quick go on the Philly point of view. It's like they don't. There's been like talk about how they might not want to pay Richardson, like we talked about. So you're getting Herder, who's just like a pure shooter. He's got a little creation in his game, but I don't really buy it too much. I think his ultimate role is kind of just spot-up shooter. Um, so they add, like, a knockdown shooter who's team-controlled, and then they get a high-end draft pick to make another chance, or take another chance at getting a young guy, keep maybe extend the window a little bit, and potentially with the team staying really good, they have the chance where that guy could maybe help them now or at least help them in the very near future, too. Yeah, I think I do like that from both sides. Just, I guess, the only question for the Hawks would be they would have to be pretty confident in retaining him. Of course, they have tons of money available to spend. 
it's just obviously they have long team control on Herder and the sixth pick. You know, it's most team control you can have being a rookie and sixth pick. I mean, weak draft, but they still sixth pick is still pretty valuable. So yeah, maybe if it was like six for twenty one, like you said, um, yeah, yeah like that one a good deal. Now that I think about it, I think twenty one has to be in there because, like you said, like you can always play that card. Like, oh well, what if Richardson walks? Then we literally traded all this for nothing. Like, you got to throw us that pick. So that's a good point there. I think that probably is what it takes to even up the value. Um, and so that's kind of just a theme I had. It was like Richardson for lottery picks and maybe another player. So looking at number two, we I think we actually talked about this one where I didn't really think it was that much of a chance at the time, but I think it's a lot more likely now that Golden State just throws Philly their pick. number. So pick number two for Richardson. They absorb him into the trade exception. Um yeah, do you want to talk about that one, or do you want me to hit you with, like, the other three that fit this category? Um, I'll let you keep going. Um, yeah, so then Josh Richardson and – or Josh Richardson to Chicago for number four and Sadoransky. And then the last one is kind of similar to that, but it's a little – I explained a little bit. So it's Richardson and Thibault. For number three in Rozier. Yeah, I so I think I think I had a Rozier to them trade on the Charlotte pod maybe. Um, yeah, those are all interesting. You're basically just trying to get a different guard that fits better. Yeah, it's like you don't want to pay Richardson and you can yeah. get a swing on a high-end guard. It's a guard-heavy draft. And then maybe pick up one other role player who fits between your two stars right now who can shoot or dribble and fill one of those two needs. So the, I, I think that theme of a trade makes a ton of sense for potentially both teams. If you're if those teams are looking to make somewhat of a leap by it, and then you convince yourself Richardson will help you do that. And it's I mean, he can, he's a secondary creator and is a really good Defender, those type of guys basically fit anywhere. Yeah, no, I like that concept. I hadn't thought about that, but it's just like a minor, minor tweak to their lineup that could actually provide a lot better group, a unit yeah, when they're on the court. Minor down, minor downgrade, or maybe potential more than minor, but in talent, but the fit improvement could neutralize that, and then if you get a Fit improvement plus better long-term control or long-term just outlook probably ends up being a net positive. Yeah. I like it. All right. Take it wherever you want. Okay, so I have one more Atlanta one, and it's a little bit of a mouthful. So this one <laughs> is more of a little bit of a reset around Simmons for the Sixers. So what if you could get um, Deadman, Herder, or Reddish, Hunter, sixth pick, and then a 2022 pick for both Embiid and Harris. Whoa. So then, so for Philly, they're getting off of what a lot of people think is a terrible contract. So Philly would look like Simmons, Richardson, Herder, or Reddish. They still have... Horford and Deadman, kind of the big man spots. And then they'd also have Hunter off the bench. They get a little bit more shooting with Deadman, and Horford can play a little more five and stop 
going up the lane for Ben Simmons. Richardson and Herter or Richardson and Reddish both can shoot. And um, we still have some defensive presence with Simmons and Richardson, of course, um, as well as like a fourth pick last year's draft, DeAndre Hunter. So I like that. It's clearly taking a step back in the immediate for Philly, but it's it's already removing the Harris contract. And Embiid is the older of him and Simmons. He's had some health issues. And then from the Atlanta side, like I know we talked a lot about Trey wants to win and he's like already a little bit sick of losing and he's kind of made that known. So you'd have Trey and then Reddish or Herder, but probably Herder if Philly had their say. And Tobias Harris, John Collins, and Embiid, which is a pretty formidable starting lineup. You are yeah. losing a lot of your young wings and some picks, but basically how much do you be in, believe in Embiid is kind of the crux of this deal. I mean, yeah, that makes a ton of sense. The justification behind it, uh, it's tough to actually pull the trigger on something that monumental. Uh, no, I like it. Just look, uh, looking at Atlanta's side side of it, like Trey Young is ready to win now. I mean, he's good enough to win now. So you look at him being your number one engine, being a really good counter to Embiid. Uh, just, like I said earlier, just how much space Trey Young attracts. Like the second he crosses half court, he has to be guarded. It's going to make Embiid's life that much easier. And then maybe Trey can get some of his uh, spotting up in. Then maybe Tobias Harris can actually fill that third role, that third guy role a little better in this setup. I mean, I don't know what would be too different about it, but maybe just a change of scenery would help him really be that third guy. Spotting There's a lot, a lot of eyeballs, a lot of eyeballs on Trey Young, a lot of eyeballs on Embiid, and if he has yeah. a rock down low, so Harris would be like a complete afterthought for defenses. Yeah, it'd be kind of what Philly hoped for, but the setup is yeah. way better, and then he'll be encouraged to shoot more threes in Atlanta too. So I like the sound that from both both sides, and you get like you said with Philly, like you're taking a step back, but you're got the outlook of like a real nice setup around Embiid or Simmons. Yeah, so I don't uh, know. I think that's pretty interesting. It does use up almost all of Atlanta space, so I think they take on let's see, like twenty or no, sorry, like um, like thirty-eight million. I think they're gonna have like around forty-five to fifty million, depending on uh, on how the cap lands. So this will exhaust most of their space and for a long time because Embiid and Harris. But if you have Trey Young and Embiid as kind of like the cores of your team, and you still have John Collins, who's pretty solid, and one of their young wings plus Harris as a complimentary player. Like, that's look of a pretty good team. I definitely would think that'd be a solid playoff team, like top six seed or so. Yeah, definitely. Um, real quick, I'll touch on the trade you briefly talked about when we did our Hornets pod, which I don't think this was – I don't think this was one that either one of us wrote down, but it's kind of just something we transitioned to, like we do sometimes. We just randomly started talking about it. But it was Rogier – and Devontae Graham, and then we kind of were debating on how many picks it would take uh, to oh. swap that out for Simmons. And I was, like, saying a ton. Um, but now knowing that one of those picks would be number three, <laughs> and just got to – can't stress enough how gr- like good of a year as, like, a complimentary player Rozier had. Just, like, three and D, two guard with, like, a little bit of creation. Like, literally, like, the ideal season for him. Like, it was the best possible year you could have, like – and, like, the volume of threes he was shooting. He was, like, 40% on nine attempts a night. And Graham's basically the same way. Like, he think his attempts were even higher, but his are off the dribble, a little tougher, and he shot, like, 37%. But, I mean, that just gives you a ton of shooting around 
Embiid. Yeah, Rozier would probably do for some regression, but I mean, maybe that's closer to the new normal than. I mean, that's just such an insane jump. Like, you don't act, you don't luck your way into forty percent on eight or nine attempts a night. Like, there's definitely some improvement there, and he's been a good shooter at times in Boston. I think he's also known for being a super hard worker. So I'd bet that's closer to the normal. Then you get your on-ball creator, something Philly desperately needs. Number three pick, just a great chance to basically the theme of everything we've saying, been saying, stay young, extend the window, and maybe if it works out, help you win now too. Um, and maybe like one or two future first also. I don't know. That's that's where the conversation really gets. That's where really, really where it goes to. But yeah, yeah, so this is like my favorite trade, and I had the exact same thing down. I, I know I, I mentioned on the Charlotte pod, but – I just have Rogier Graham and the third pick this year. I think just hearing you talk it through and just thinking more about how stars are worth more. If they added like a 2022, even like top 10 protected, like I think that's already enough for Simmons. I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm undershooting it, but all the stuff you just said about them being better fit, they're both still fairly young. I know the Graham is like 26, which is old for kind of uh, coming off your rookie scale deal, but they're both fairly young. They're guards that they need. They fit. Rozier can play defense. A third pick in this year's draft, even if it's a bad draft, I mean, the third pick is definitely valuable. And I don't know. I like it. I like it a lot. That's probably my favorite trade, actually. Yeah, and I mean, Philly de- or Charlotte desperately needs like more of hope. Touch base of the, the franchise. Yeah, yeah. And going back to their podcast, like we were talking about it and then we realized like they perform so much better than what they're supposed to already. Just like um what is it? They're even worse than that. Yeah. Than uh, showed. What's the stat? I can't think of it right now. What? Oh uh, like wins below expected or yeah, for the, yeah. Yeah, they were like one of the like they had like the most wins. point differential. Yeah, based on point differential. Uh so basically it's like well, we're like, well okay, actually they're kinda of bad with the team like with the guys that they have. Like why why not trade and get like value for them uh, to punt a little bit more towards the future or get someone who's more of a building block? Because, um, I mean, like, where are you going if, like, your like, supposed blocks now like, can't take you anywhere? Um, exactly. Yeah, and then, like, you get a chance to kind of sculpt your team around Ben Simmons and P.J. Washington makes a ton of a, makes a ton of sense as, like, one of your bigs there, just, like, how, much, how many threes he shoots. Miles Bridges isn't a perfect fit, but he actually does shoot a good fit of threes and getting out in transition. Like I think he is one of those guys who doesn't really finish as well as you'd expect based off his tools. But if you get him out in transition more, like him and Ben Simmons, that'd be insane. Um, just used it more of their cap space to find some shooters, like maybe like a Christian Wood or something like that. Like I mean, there's a lot of potential there to really start building your team around Simmons. And the defensive um, upside of Simmons, Bridges, Washington – find a big man to go with them like yeah i mean there could be like a top 12-ish defense or so yeah it makes sense like if you could somehow find a way to keep the third pick and like get whatever like high-end guards left over like out of what i think i've seen to be the top three like we talked about Lamelo, anthony edwards and killian hayes but it seems like killian hayes on like all the intel mocks has actually dropped to like around like 10 which is kind of wild to me you know I haven't really done too much like scouting like that and don't really have the resources to, but I don't know, just from limited stuff I've seen, like I'd want to take a chance on like that six five potential primary or number two ball handler. But that's clearly the way I think I've always mentioned that. So Yeah, and maybe maybe if 
Charlotte would prefer to actually have a pick in this draft. You could do like three, three this year for 21 and then give like a 2022 first so that, you know, like they have these young core that are decent role players plus Simmons. Like it, it's going to be helpful that they can actually have a pick this year because they don't get a lot of free agent buzz and, you know, they probably want a swing at the draft as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting. That makes a ton of sense from both sides, too. And, like, what I talked about in the beginning, just the premium cost, though, for superstars. And if if it's known that Ben Simmons is available, there's going to be – the way I, I saw it is there's, like, so many, like, 20-something teams that probably would put together an offer just because, like, I mean, the teams who are in, like, Charlotte's situation and not really going anywhere could use the face of the franchise. Like, I think they definitely – Simmons makes a ton of sense there teams who might have one established young guy kind of like a Memphis like they have John Morant like I mean but teams on that level like I still think you would want to get involved with Simmons and maybe make him your number two or your 1B and then like fringe playoff teams who might see themselves as one piece away like they also would probably fit the Simmons market so it's really just like the contenders who I don't think uh, would be his market so um, yeah, I think there'd be a ton of teams waiting to get after to make an offer for Simmons so I just always kind of factor in the bidding war into my valuation, so that's kind of why I usually am leaning towards a few another pick or two more than you. Um, another one you talked about before was the Simmons for Kimba Walker, and then like whatever extra pick or two needs to be added from Boston. Also, also have that one down. That was my next one I was going to bring up. Yeah, uh, do you want to just briefly talk about that one? Because I mean. Boston, that'd be really interesting to see. I think it's important though for them to have a small on ball create, like a just an on ball guard creator, and Brad Stevens does really well with them, and just having another shooter on the court. But I don't know. I mean, it definitely is really interesting to add like another crazy young wing uh, with all that talent to the roster. I'm not sure how I like the fit, but I mean, that's still sorry. Great. Say say what it was again. What was the trade exactly? Um, it, it was just like Kimba and some draft capital, right? For Simmons? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, I wrote down Kimba in 14. I don't know if, how much more would be needed, but that's kind of just yeah, the way I... Pro- probably would need more, right? Yeah, just because the age difference, really. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, Kemba, I think he'd be great on Philly. That's like exactly what we need. That's what we talked about before. Just like on-ball creator... Another guy who can extend the floor and shoot a bit. And then, like, wow. So Simmons on Boston is pretty pretty crazy, right? With Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Yeah, especially considering, like, how Brown's kind of, like, been the on-ball guy. And then you have just two of the best help defenders in the league from the wing spot and Simmons and Tatum, I mean, it's be so hard to find driving lanes. doesn't really matter who your center is there. You don't really need that good of a rim protector at center. If I would just find some offensive center, pair them there, just make your offense that much crazier, find someone who can shoot really well at center um, to make up for the lack of Simmons shot. But the age difference is probably the biggest hindrance there, right? Yeah, and Boston doesn't really care about their picks too much this year. I don't know if I do this deal, though, because I think I do like Simmons fit, or Kimba's fit on Boston, but... I mean, I don't know if it was right there in front of me. I'm like, okay, well, this might hurt our championship for like our championship window for like one year or so, just because uh, Kimba still, if he can, let's say he just like has like a one percent drop off or something, one to five percent drop off, still like really good. 
Um, I think I might like him on the roster better, but probably every year going forward after this next season, just you can expect enough drop-off from Kemba to where Simmons would be better, despite not liking the fit. Um, but yeah, I mean, their championship window is what, like 10 to 12 years if they've picked up Simmons. I know it's like never that long in the NBA, but really, I mean, Tatum's probably going to be a Celtic for life. Uh, I mean, Brown, they have great, they have four more years than if you pick up Simmons too. Like, I mean, the only way you move him is if you're doing something like a huge deal to keep you good anyway. So like, I mean, that's a long championship window too. Not just like being good, but that's a championship window. So that's pretty interesting, but I don't know. Something that'll never happen. <laughs> yeah. So another one that'll never happen also with Boston. So what if it was Kemba? And they're two good first, or they're two best first this year. So fourteen and twenty-six, and a future first for Embiid and Milton and Shake Milton. So, so Boston doesn't really have a center. I know they like to go cheap there, but like, I don't know, uh, Embiid on. The, <laughs> sorry, go ahead. Wait, say it again. So it's for yeah. Embiid. It's for Embiid. Okay. It's like Walker for Embiid and Shake Milton. So. Boston gets their big man. So Kemba was a little bit exposed, right, in the playoffs. Like, player teams like to hunt him, like small guards. That just is what happens in the playoffs. And I know they like Tice. Um, Cantor is mostly unplayable. But, like, the center is kind of the only spot where they're weak. And then from Philly, like, Kemba is obviously a little bit older than they would probably prefer, but they get, like, their point guard, their creator, like we already talked about. And then basically they just move, like, Horford or Simmons to center, and you're getting, like, three first-round picks. And it's kind of under the assumption that, you know, Embiid is worn out as welcome in Philly and injury problems, all those things we already talked about. Well, uh, so it's Kemba and picks, that's it? Yeah. Uh, I, I completely forgot I had one, too, but I had a uh, Embiid to Boston trade, but it's completely different than yours. <laughs> okay. Well, what do you think about this one, just quickly? Um, yeah, so I think definitely the assumptions that you said like kind of have to be in play. Like Maybe they're, they're a little scared of the injury or yeah. – and, and The first-round yeah. picks aren't good enough either because Boston's yeah. good. Yeah, and it's just like – it's not like you're trading and beating like going young. You're picking up like the older player too, so it's kind of that thing. Well, what if you threw in like their two favorite young Boston guys, like Carson Edwards or like uh, whatever, not, think, not needle movers probably. Yeah, I don't, I don't really think that's moving the needle too much. But I do like the fit of the like the roster by like switching Kimba or and beating Kimba. It's like looking at Kimba on the Sixers, and then like Al Horford's your center. And you got Ben Simmons being your second ball hinder, like short roll creator, but still like pushing in transition. Like that roster makes a ton of sense. But it's just like now you have Kimba, you have a new kind of guy who's that, yeah, new age problem. But also he has injury issues too. Like he's had like the, like the last six months, his like knees have kept him to where he wasn't hasn't really been right. Um, so it's kind of like that thing I've talked about a lot. Like I don't think you're really optimizing any window there, and also I don't think you're like setting yourself up for that like. Uh, good of a future so uh yeah i don't i don't know but i, I definitely like the idea of like that roster being together for just kind of looking at the on the court basketball sense right yeah. so mine is actually kind of not really using those assumptions i think mine's a little bit closer to like okay let's just trade joe and beat for whatever fair value and let's say like he's not like a ticking time let's just say like they wanted to move him this offseason or something like 
really just picking Ben Simmons. Um, so this one was Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, and then 14. Yeah, so I, if I'm Boston, I uh, honestly don't think I would do that. Yeah, it's tough. Like two valuable wings, like Smart, I know we talked about a lot before, is just like all the intangibles and like defensive yeah. toughness and all that I seriously stuff. struggle so much with like if I think what's how replaceable smart uh, what he brings is like obviously great player and great locker room guy for Boston at least um, and these type of guy you always want on your team but I mean I just struggle with like how important in the grand scheme of things in the championship with like can what he does be replaced if you're getting more or like how, does it hurt you that much if you're switching it out with star talent? And that's kind of just the idea here. Like maybe uh, it's a haul for Boston to give up, um, but it's kind of just the idea of okay, you can have two people who are great as tier two and tier three guys, but a great tier two guy and a great tier three, three guy still doesn't beat a tier one guy, which is kind of just in a lot of it, it's not literally that black and white. It's so much more goes into it, um, but it's just kind of just that theory. Like okay, well. While Brown and Smart are great for Boston, make a ton of sense. We are super wing heavy. Like they have a lot of depth there. They'd still be keeping Hayward and in Walker in this situation. So they're still old with those two guys, but those are your third and fourth best players. Like you're now betting on a young core of Embiid, who when he's locked in and playing like his best is like, I mean, top two or three at his position. A lot of people would say top one when he's locked in. And maybe top 12 overall, Tatum, who's approaching that same area, probably. I mean, I think he could be like top 10 overall next year. Like, um, you're betting on that and then having an, a legit on ball creator in Kimba and uh, like a great all around player in Hayward, at least being good for another year or two, maybe even longer than that. Like, you might increase your championship window in the next two years. And while also there's still the potential for increasing it in the long run if the Embiid, um, if the Embiid Tatum kind of hits its like 80 to 90th percent outcome, like I think there's the potential to be like present win with that deal and future win. It's a haul, but I just I think when you factor that in, like you could be getting better in the now, like more likely to win championship now and setting your future up better. I can maybe talk myself into doing it. Yeah, you're convincing me a little bit. I, I mean, certainly, I mean, Boston's stacked, right? Like they have, uh, yeah, and whatever their best five lineup. They're already really good, and they have, you know, an extra player with Hayward or Smart, whoever doesn't start. So trading two for a, a massive upgrade at center is certainly like I can I can see the logic there. The last thing I'll add to is just um, adding, like, yeah, they lose some a lot of their wing defense, but they add make maybe the best like rim protecting center in the league and like it's not like you have a terrible defense in front of them too like you still have a pretty good front line defense and an absolute elite rim, rim protector too so i mean i don't could really you, know how much of a setback they take on defense could you throw in tyball with it i mean if they're doing that that's probably automatic yes for boston right you replace at least a good bit of the defense you're losing and then I mean, and be adding Embiid, so I don't. Know. I think I'm really high on Jalen Brown, is what I'm learning. Because is it crazy that Jalen Brown, at three years younger and a little better contract, is like close to 
like similar value to Embiid. Two way. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think it's just the fact that he's two way, super important player, and he's in that tier of guys who you're probably comfortable throwing on like the, to guard like the best of the best in the league, which kind of just brings that three and D to a whole new value. And then he's not just like the three on offense; like he's a actually has a good bit of other shot creation ability. So it's like three and D on steroids just not quite has like kind of I mean I don't know the it factor or just like the instincts he just wasn't like born like a natural like elite scorer and that's kind of probably something he'll never be just simply because for reasons like that he just doesn't have like a lot of those like little things that like great scorers will have he's kind of just not built like that but I mean can you win a championship though with him as your third best player that's where it gets tough like that's what might make might talk me into this deal more. Like he's great player to have. Like for every reason we've talked about, but if we're breaking it down, like it, he's and he's that's kind of like he's very fairly paid. So um, it's like he's on like a max deal and he's got to be your third best player, or like he might he can't be your third player. He's like paid like your third best player in the, on your on championship team, um, and he does like super important things like we talked about. But at the end of the day, can he be that, or do you think? Are they better off cashing them in, maybe? Yeah, I guess it's, it's really tough. The other thing is Embiid, like, changes the whole structure of your team, right? Like, some players are completely, like, adaptable. And, like, I just think a lot of wings as being like that. Like, you know, your Paul Georges of the world, your Kawhi's, like, Jalen Brown or, like, Tatum. But, like, Embiid is just going to change everything, right? Like, he's going to need to be fed the ball down low. Like, you're going to want him to drop on defense like you're a little less switchable like i would just be scared of how he's going to change like the entire tenor of this of the team probably maybe for the better but maybe not i don't know like yeah that's why i don't know if i want to give up two solid wings and jalen brown who i love yeah that'd be hard those are great points like i don't i don't even know how it looks switching those like guys out um like they said boston's like completely different now i gotta change up their pick and roll coverage a little bit um, like how they do a lot of like DHOs with Tice and things like that in their offense. Like, I mean, are they still going to be putting, having it be like be that mobile on offense? Like, I doubt it. Um, yeah, it gets super interesting there, but I think that you like a, he doesn't seem like a Brad Stevens type of guy either in B or like a Boston guy. I don't know. He's like, yeah, he doesn't he seem like he's always like, dialed in. Yeah. He kind of like struggle with like, cause when he's like locked in and, all that he like seems like a great teammate, super happy, and just wants to do whatever it takes to win. But then he seems like he can get kind of pouty and like just like throwing his head down, bad body language type. But I mean, sometimes all it takes is like a change of scenery. Like Jimmy Butler, like look at him, he's like overstayed his welcome for three different places, but he goes somewhere with like the new culture, but it's like kind of similar to that, and it's all positive now instead of like it being bad. So. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just change scenery and kind of like going back to Doc Rivers thing, like just having someone else who he's not too comfortable around, like be his leader. Like maybe that changes everything too. Yeah. Super interesting. I could think about that one for hours, but yeah, I'd love to hear. <laughs> yeah, I have to throw that up on Twitter. Yeah, we'll put that one up. Uh, I have another, I have a challenge trade too. That's, Go for it. Uh, so what about, I think this one's actually Bill Simmons. I think he's talked about this one a lot. But what about uh, Ben Simmons for 
Predebil. So Boston or Washington would obviously have to accept the fact that maybe they're not even going to make the eight seed, or just they need to do something to gear themselves more towards the long term. And that's probably it. Just doesn't seem like that they're going to have that realization, or there's the chance that they might be good enough to be like a seven or eight seed, so they might not want to. But I guess you just have to assume that they'd be somewhat willing, just trying to look at the value behind it. Yeah, I guess I like Beal a lot better. Uh, maybe a lot better as strong, but just the offensive engine is just so important, uh, especially at like the guard position who can create his own looks. And Beal was amazing this year at 30 points a game. I know he got left off of All-NBA, which he was not too happy about. But, I mean, for Philly, I'm doing that for sure. But, yeah, I'd have to be convinced if I was Washington. You might have to throw in some sweeteners and yeah. Well, so I think Beal's definitely, I mean, in a vacuum, I I don't know who, maybe Beal's a little bit better, but I mean, I I just don't take his numbers. Obviously, he had a great scoring year and stuff this year, but I mean, there's so much inflation with that. Like, they played at the fastest, like, possible pace, had no care about defense. He himself played no defense at all. It's like he saved all his energy for offense every single night, and like, he was like the only person who, um... I mean, he just like they ran everything through him. They he got a ton of possessions just in total and saved all his energy for offense. So I'm not like crazy impressed by uh, his scoring this year. Um, and I, I mean, I guess he's probably in a vacuum a little better than Simmons, but I don't know. I mean, I don't think Beal can ever be the best player on a championship team. And I think it's going to be tough for him to be the second best player. I think he's one of those guys who's like, he seems like the prototypical number two, but like when it comes down to it, like, I don't know if he really can't be the second best player on a championship team. And that, that seems strong. It does, but I don't know. I mean, I just at the highest levels, I think when he's facing, like in the playoffs, when he's going to be, if he was facing like an elite defender every single night, which I don't even know how he's performed in the playoffs in the past, but. If, I mean, I don't think he's ever been to the conference finals. So, like, looking at the conference finals, he got the other team's, like, best perimeter defender on him, and he's being forced to guard someone elite on the other end. Like, he by starting him at one of your guard spots, probably the two, um, you're losing a chance to have, like, a quality defender there uh, on the perimeter because, I mean, he's kind of just not that. And his complimentary game, he doesn't really – I mean, he was so he's been so heavy on ball since like Wall's been hurt. Like I don't think people don't realize that he's not quite the just really good spot up guy with some extra creation. Now he's like has to have the ball. I don't know how he like fair in a off ball role again or even just being a number two. But I mean, I don't know. I think I probably have to like look at the last few champions and like just like the last few like top like six to eight teams and like see where he compared to other teams number twos, but. I don't know if I mean I guess he probably can, but I don't know. I'm just kind of stuck on that. Oh, maybe I got wild by the numbers. I don't know how much Wizards basketball I really dialed into this year, but like I don't like. Do you think he is worse than Kyrie in sixteen? Yeah, <laughs> significantly worse than him. I I don't know. Mm. I mean, uh, yeah, we'd have to go through the title teams. I mean, I also yeah. think that. I also think that. I mean, if you thought. The Rockets could win it all this year, which I know you did. I mean, 
the second best player was Westbrook, who has lots of issues that we've talked about. Like, the yeah, his best is probably comparable to Westbrook for value. Yeah, but I think January, like, all my Rocket stuff is based <laughs> on January through March Westbrook, which, I mean, it, there was reason to believe that was the normal. He was finally healthy, used to a new team, yeah. it was built around him, and he stopped shooting threes, well, was just putting his head down, going to the basket all the time. Like, there's yeah, reason I mean, to believe that's the new normal. But yeah, I mean, anyway. we don't need to bang our head if we have the Rockets. But I mean, the Bucks, the Bucks were title favorites. Like, is he just as good as Middleton? I mean, probably. Uh, I don't know. I mean, Middleton's two-way player. I mean, I trust Middleton on defense way more than Beal. I mean, and just think about Middleton is like he's. I mean, Beal is an expert in the mid-range too, but it's just so much harder for him. But his like has to come off all sorts of crazy moves. Uh, step back, like great footwork, fade away, deep two. Where it's like Middleton can just walk you down to the post, spin and fade away, and he's like one of the best mid range shooters in the league. Like, I think I would take Middleton over Beal as my number two. I mean, you might be right. Maybe I need to. Maybe I need to reassess my my Bradley Beal. Well, uh, I mean, I don't know. This interest, but. Well, the point I was going to make really quick is, so why do you even want him if you're Philly if he can't be the second best player on the title team? Well, okay. <laughs> why are you trading Simmons for him? That's a great point. Um, <laughs> but the counter to that is how I did say, well, I guess maybe he can yeah. if that gets perfect. When you're number three, number four, which I guess it's still like that with uh, Harris and Richardson, which are still there three and four. But I think they're, that's better than a lot of other teams' threes and fours. And if you have that much advantage at your three and four ball handlers, plus, like, now just switching um, Beal with Simmons, that kind of enhances everyone, too. Like, just that much more space and just putting that much more shooting on the court, I think it makes, like, the like your other three guys that much better, plus having Beal as your now number two. <laughs> yeah. Well, who's playing point guard for Philly, then? Are they going point guardless? Shake Milton. Yeah, a little bit. Probably just have him be the starter or whatever, and then Richardson and Beal handle the ball most of the time. I don't know. That's a great point, though. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. We like when we uh, don't agree on everything. Okay, so do you... Should I give you one? Oh, real quick. I'll just add to that. I didn't even know. I I forgot I put this one there, but I did the same thing with Embiid for Beal. (laughs) Then just building around Simmons and Beal. or Simmons and Beal. Uh, so be, that'd be if Washington kind of s- wanted to continue being good, and for whatever reason they just valued Embiid over Beal. Maybe it's just the contract situation because Beal is expiring somewhat soon after he signed that extension. Um, yeah, I think that actually would be really interesting as watching Simmons and Bead and a bunch of other sh- or, uh, Simmons and Beal and other shooters run around. That'd be a super fun team. That's just kind of one fun to talk about. I don't really know how I feel about it. Yeah, like it's it's just super hard with Embiid. Like I talked about just a minute ago. Like, do you want to Embiidify your team, right? Like, do you want to have do you want to buy into him being like as a team if you're trading for him? To, with all of his injury and like they say he's a little bit overweight and like his conditioning isn't great and sometimes yeah. he sulks on the court. It's just like, is there a franchise that thinks that they can kind of like curb that and make that something they want to trust in? But no, that, w- that would be interesting for sure to see Beal there with Simmons. Yep. Um, yeah, so just go with whatever. No. Okay, so... 
we talked a lot about Brooklyn having a lot of guards, and what if they traded both Levert and Dinwiddie for Ben Simmons? So you got Kyrie, you got Katie, you got Joe Harris, and Simmons is can play, you know, as a defensive. He needs some defensive help on that team. He's like someone who can penetrate, and now they have plenty of shooters around him. You could even play some center if you uh, um, want. So no picks, just the two guards. Yeah, I had I had Milton. If if Brooklyn like wants, you know, they're losing like two point two lead guards, if you will. And so I had Shake Milton if they needed to throw him in. But no, it's just Levert and Dinwiddie for Simmons. Well, I mean, I'm, like we've talked about before, I'm way too low on Levert to do that as Philly. Um, but no, Philly on Philly, or Ben Simmons on Philly, or, oh, God, Ben Simmons on Brooklyn. That's actually super intriguing. Like, I don't. I lo- love all that shooting around him and the fact that he's kind of like your third ball handler now and the, like just put him in all that space. I guess I'd prefer in like an absolute perfect world if the other two guys who are ahead of Simmons in the pecking order were better passers and like could get to Simmons too or like more willing passers. But I mean, still, I mean, Kyrie, Ben Simmons pick and roll would be crazy to watch with shooters around. It's kind of just like you put him in the dream on roll, but have him maybe even handle the ball and transition more. Um, yeah, I mean, that'd be super fun. Uh, definitely like that. But Do you think yeah. it's a little light on the Brooklyn side? Maybe if, like, Levert's value was what Brooklyn fans think it is. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, I just not sold on Levert enough, and I don't really see that deal. It, I guess it does, like, help Philly. Maybe if those fits somehow are perfect. Uh, that helps them win more, like in the next year or two. But I don't really think that helps them in the now or the later. Yeah, I, mean, I guess I would see us helping them now. They need they need on ball creation. They got both those guys can shoot. Um, gives them gives them another solid piece. Like because obviously they're trading a two for one. I don't know. I I think I like that one from both sides. But I think if anyone had to add more, it's probably certainly be Brooklyn. Yeah, I actually had a deal sending Embiid to Brooklyn. Wow, um, So both guards again, but also Jared Allen, and now three first-round picks. Wow, so you have Kyrie, Durant, Embiid, Harris, and then whatever free agent tag-along wants to win the title, basically. Yep. Maybe Torian Prince, I well, guess, is still there. Yeah, you still have Prince. You still have... Um, you still have, yeah. Uh, Paul Crawford. Deion, DeAndre Jordan. TLC. Yeah, but, TLC was good. Yeah, I mean, is that, uh, what do you think about that from Philly's point of view? You said both guards and what else? Allen and then uh, three first round picks. I mean, yeah, I mean, I might, I like, the, I actually like that. If, I mean, if this would be, like, if, if I think Embiid is a franchise cornerstone, like, I probably just turn all these down immediately. But if I'm a little bit shaky on all the things we talked about already, health, attitude, etc., fit, then, yeah, I mean, I guess what's uh, missing from here is kind of, like, 
this is like a lot of quantity of like pretty good things but i guess it's missing like one crown jewel you know like the second overall pick or like yeah you know a jalen brown or whatever whatever like young starish upside guy whereas these guys are kind of all just very solid but i mean that's quite the haul yeah um wow what was i about to touch back on i completely forgot i think i had like i mean that's fine. I mean, Embiid, Embiid, Durant, and Kyrie, my head is exploding a little bit. That's three gigantic personalities in one locker room. Oh, yeah. Okay. Who love I, to score. Yeah. I remember when I was getting that. Like, how you touched on uh, just so much is dependent on, like, or if we thought Embiid was, like, perfectly healthy and, like, that superstar, like, a lot of these deals are just not even non starters. That's kind of why the value would really have to get driven up on some of these. It just reminds me of. Uh, I think it was the Minnesota pod where we did it real bad, but it's just like we calibrated our offers based on like, okay, well, we'll play at the, this pick. This is how it could look, whatever, like before the lottery happened. That's kind of just like what we're doing with Embiid. Like, okay, so in this situation, it's like they're kind of fed up with him, but not too fed up. But in this one, they completely hate him. And this one, he's like not healthy. But it's um, fair, though. Like, because I mean, yeah, he's it's kind all of like scenarios. a wild card, right? Like, he on Embiid's best days, it's like, Good grief. He's like modern day Shaq, right? Like he can absolutely dominate in the paint. He can even shoot a little bit. And he's like really good at defense and if he's locked in. But then on other days, if you catch him on a bad day, it's like, ugh, like do I even want am I even in love with tying my franchise to him? So I think it is legit, but it is funny how we're we're fluctuating his value. Yeah. I don't know how we've avoided this team this long. But I think we got to talk some Sacramento Kings. Uh, there's just so many potential deals, I think, with the Sixers and Kings. Uh, the main theme, I think, is getting Buddy Heald to uh, Philly. And you can do that by blowing it up. You can do that keeping the same roster. Um, I think Tobias Harris makes a lot of sense in Sacramento, too. So uh, if they, with their new Houston guy being the GM maybe they want they're thinking get a guy like Harrison there as their like third or fourth best player and just tell him to stop shooting all these mid-range pull-ups and just shoot 10 threes a night um but yeah did you have any deals with Sacramento or do you want me to just start I did I did go through alphabetical order and I didn't want this pod to be seven hours long so when I got to Sacramento I actually just did one deal I actually do like it quite a bit but you, you can go ahead and start then because I'll just space okay. mine off what yours is my old mind's pretty short and sweet, so it's healed, like you have brought up, for Horford and a first. So the Kings have, you know, bogged on and healed, and they probably don't want to pay those two forty million dollars a year. They could use another steady veteran presence, also because we could use a big man who can defend a little bit. And then I think Horford is on an even worse deal than Heald. I mean, Heald is younger, and I think Philly would have to attach it first. And I had either this year or next year's first. Yeah, that's actually a pretty common trade that's tossed around there. I just I don't like that too much from Sacramento. I think he, he, like Horford is a great is like the ideal center to have around Marvin Bagley. I mean, he's just so much older than what... Yeah, I think, age problem, right? Yeah, and, like, the contract is even worse than Buddy's, and it's just... Yeah. He's so much older, and, like, he, I mean, I don't think he was watched this year because there's the weird stats about how he was just randomly a terrible shooter, like, on open jumpers when he shared the court with, like, Joe Embiid, which is, like, just, like, a huge, like, variance, like, bad luck type thing, honestly, but... 
I mean, I think he's definitely regressed a significant amount. So I just don't see what interest. I think Sacramento actually was linked to Horford this offseason when uh, he surprisingly opted out. That seems like forever ago. You have to keep in mind Kings will do anything. And also, like, I don't know, Heald's like rubbing the wrong way with the front office, it feels like, and even their coach a little bit. And yeah, that's why I threw a first in, but no doubt that age is a big thing there. But I, I think the fit does make sense. It's just maybe the value's off if if you're getting eight years older and you're already not good if you're the Kings. Yeah, definitely like, just like the basketball fit. But yeah, the age is killer to me. Um, well, so, actually, Buddy Heald is like, you know, he gains two years every year, so he's like yeah. 28 already. Yeah, so let me just look through all mine. Where should I go from there? Um, so one deal that I think the most not even the most similar uh, one of the ones I actually had Horford in was giving them a little bit more value so also adding Zaire Smith in the deal but this would and then basically for Barnes or Heald you can throw either one of them they're kind of same idea bad contract uh, but not quite as bad as Horford, but I just end up giving them a little bit more value than you did. Um, and I, I, I guess Sire Smith's value. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I was going to ask you. Is he yeah, sure. I, I mean, I think as a young rebuilding team, I would consider him. Maybe I wouldn't say this in negotiation, but I would consider him a plus. Like, I mean, who knows if he is? But I think getting someone who's like athleticism was supposed to be as crazy as his, and I see some like draft Twitter guys sometimes like mention him or just like talk about something he's done so i don't know i mean i would be willing to take that flyer as a young team so yeah that's just like a pretty similar format i actually did have but when i started i'm having to like read it and then process it because like it's been so long since i it's been like a week since i've like written these down um so this one i have so this is one with Tobias Harris involved too, because like I said, I really like his fit there, especially if you get like the more analytic-minded uh, front office. So it's Horford, Tobias Harris, Zaire Smith, and the OKC first for both. Oh no, this one's just for Buddy Heald, Bielitsa, and then Corey Joseph. So Bielitsa was almost a sixer until he backed out of the deal, like whatever. I don't know what happened there, but it's like oh, yeah. like two years ago, backed out. But I mean, Bielitsa was great this year, and like, um, if you put him on Philly's like current iteration of their roster, and this scenario probably has him becoming like their starting forward, probably there's potential for him to be better defensively than Harris, because he's just one of those guys who's like really smart. But I mean, just ignore that for a second. We can just call that a wash. He, he has like terrible physical tools, but I mean, he could like end up being better than Horford with the, because of the IQ, but we can just call that a wash defensively. Look at the offensive fit. I mean, he's definitely going to let it fly from three. And he shoots from super deep, really good passer. Definitely not the player Harris is, but, I mean, if you're looking at fourth option, that maybe fit is more important anyway. So, um, yeah, so you put him as, like, a great fit, just someone letting it fly all night from three and give you more passing. Doesn't give you the on-ball creation that you desperately need, but that's where where Buddy Heald and Corey Joseph come in. So Buddy Heald, I mean, just love that fit in Philly. Somebody's going to shoot 10 to 12 threes a night for you at a super high clip. One of the best shooters in the league. Uh, they, uh, It wasn't the best on-ball creator this year when they asked him to do it a little more. But, I mean, I think I'm still comfortable with him, like, being your second, third, whatever option on offense 
when it comes to dribbling, but letting him play off all the other guys. Uh, and then just getting one more ball handler, point guard type guy in the roster, and Joseph, who Sacramento doesn't really have any need for, and he's um, negative value on his deal. But it's one of those guys who I talked about earlier is probably is definitely a negative value contract, but can still help as a basketball player. Yeah, so that's a lot for me to process, but it's Horford, so, and ha- Horford and Harris to the Kings, right? Yeah, so they're taking on all that money, but if you look at it, Buddy and Joseph is also bad money coming back. So while they are taking on a good bit of bad money, it's not like it's like the just the raw total is like bad money. They're kind of bringing on like $15 million extra in bad salary. Yeah. But that's – and well, I guess Buddy Heald is – the longest contract out of any of those guys, or him and Harris will both be four years. So if you look at like him and I mean, yeah, so Sacramento is taking on a little bit more bad money, but that's why you entice them again with Smith and the first round pick. And maybe the fact that you could argue Tobias Harris could be the best player in the deal. I don't know. Yeah, I guess I, I never know how to value Harris. Like for me, for me, if it doesn't feel like, like if I'm the Kings, Heald's clearly like not their 1A or 1B or even number two plan. So I, I don't feel bad about anything I'm losing from the Kings, but I'm not like, too excited about what I'm bringing in either. So it's just like a really weird yeah, thing. So, like I would I would maybe do it, but like, because like I don't feel like I'm losing all that much if, if Buddy is kind of like behind Bogdan and he makes a ton of money. Yeah. But I don't know where Horford and Harris are bringing me as a franchise, so I'm kind of just confused. (laughs) Yeah, one more thing, or two more things, is you look at, um, I think Sacramento's cap situation going forward isn't like DeRozio's after you factor in De'Aaron Fox's uh, five-year max, probably. And who knows, maybe you can make an all-NBA team this year. I mean, I wouldn't completely rule it out, so might be in line for an even bigger one. Uh, probably not likely, but definitely a chance. Uh, but it's kind of going back to the Boston argument I was making earlier, but just on different scales. It's just the idea of, I think this move has the potential to increase your now and your future, as in none of the guys um, Sacramento's trading is really future pieces when you consider that Buddy Heald has probably got to be traded because the contract situation, at two guys at the same position who can't really play together. Um and then just Bielitsa and Joseph obviously aren't future pieces for them. So you gain Smith in the OKC first here, who, like we said, maybe you swap, maybe to get this done, you have to swap Smith out for Thibault or something like that. But I mean, those are still future pieces like that Sacramento didn't have. Or maybe you throw another first or something as Philly. But I guess the argument here is like Sacramento, I think they do want to make the playoffs stuff. And I mean, I think it's possible. Like I was actually pretty high on them this year, and they had a few random things go weird and go wrong but then like they almost caught fire at the end so like those things wouldn't have happened maybe they'd have been more in the loop the whole time but um yeah so i guess that's the angle here you talk yourself into like just adding tobias harris and thinking uh okay so we got him and Barnes just being very solid letting it fly and getting good shot creation of the two out of our forward spots uh, find like Corford and Bagley probably play really, pretty well together, but just basically just kind of have them split center minutes, play some minutes together, and like all these guys kind of make sense around Fox. And maybe you talk yourself into it's an overall talent upgrade too. So if you could say, oh, talent upgrade plus maybe even fit upgrade for the now might be better for the next year or two. And Tobias Harris is young enough to help with your future too. So 
I mean, I guess that's kind of just saying you talk yourself into it helping you in the now and potentially the future. Yeah, with only spending like three minutes thinking about this, I, I think I probably like it from both sides. I think on paper to like maybe even to the front office, but for sure to like the casual fan giving up Tobias Harris and Horford and a first for just Buddy, Pielitsa, and Joseph might look like a loss. Like it might look like Philly's giving up too much. But the contracts are terrible. The fit is not great. And I think you're really improving the fit with Heald and Bielich especially. So, yeah, I think I think I actually do like it. I do think that it would seem like Philly lost a trade to most people's uh, perspectives. Yeah, and then Sacramento fans be like, oh, you're giving us these terrible contracts. We don't want yeah. them. But... So maybe it's a lose-lose. <laughs> yeah, which honestly, lose-lose usually means good. Uh, when it comes to social media fans and stuff being split. But, so I have one simpler version where the goal behind this one is to get both Buddy Heald and Harrison Barnes. And that's just basically a straight-up swap of Tobias Harrison Theibel for Barnes and Buddy. So with that one, it's kind of like, okay, we're taking a step back from Harris to Barnes as a pure player, but you... Um, you, you make the argument, okay, he's like, Barnes is more comfortable fitting into the role that Harris is in, and he Barnes, they probably, off the top of my head, I guess he shoots a little bit more threes. I don't know. I haven't uh, compared the two, but you get a little, maybe he, um, you can just talk him into, you get a guy who fits a little better than Harris, even though they kind of bring a lot of the same things. Uh, but Harrison Barnes also is a better defender, so you can talk yourself into that. A little bit better offensive fit, maybe, but not quite the player better um, defender and then just Buddy Heald, like the ultimate fit, like the best possible person you can get to fit between Simmons and Embiid. And the cost of that and the fact that they have to take on the worst contract out of everyone in Tobias Harris and the fact that uh, Sacramento's giving up two of their guys because there's a lot of bad contracts in here. So you're kind of just looking at uh, losing two quality guys, even though they're on bad contracts for the worst contract and one guy. I think that's why Philly has to add Thibault to kind of eat up the value. But, yeah. Yeah, I think there's a lot of a lot of possibilities with the Kings. Um, I, I didn't rifle through all the different machinations of it, but I do like – I like Heald going over there. And I just – Tobias Harris, he's just like the ultimate blah player to me. Like, if my team got him, my favorite team got them, yeah. Like, I, I don't even know what I would think. I guess I would say cool. Like, it's almost like he, he's just, like, a perfectly league average player, in my opinion. Maybe slightly above on offense and maybe slightly below on defense. But he's just, like, always traded and he, like, got this big deal. And now he's going to be in trade rumors. I just... Yeah. It's hard I for me to put a good value on his actual skill. I think he's a little better than that in offense. He has some real shot creation ability and just a good pure shooter. I... I just think it'd help him so much if he just was the type of guy who just really let it fly from three. He got up to like eight to ten threes a night um, I mean, because he shoots it really well. So if he just maybe saw a little drop off in volume or in a percentage, but I mean, that's still going to be an overall increase in efficiency. So maybe that could change his like make get him closer to that number two guy instead of like a three or four type guy. But yeah, I, mean, I do kind of like him on offense, but I think he does need to embrace the three ball a little more. Yeah. All right, do you want to? 
No. Uh, I mean, do you want to just... I still have so many. Do you want to just try and go through these last... I mean, this last bit as fast as we can? Sure. So... Okay, so I'll just hit you with one. So this one is mostly for fun and discussion, but what about Jamal Murray for Ben Simmons? Just straight up. That's interesting. Um, I'm not 100% ready to buy Jamal Murray yet. Uh, so you think you think Philly would turn that down? Potentially, yeah. See, I was thinking Denver would turn it down. <laughs> I mean, I'm just... I'm not buying into the small sample size yet of what Murray did in the bubble, because, I mean... He wasn't doing that this regular season. Like bubble basketball is kind of different basketball than what we've seen. Um, and for whatever reason, I mean, and there's like 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 we've talked about. Like there's potentially a lot of logical exp- explanations, just like the no travel, same shooting background every single night. Like I mean, that could definitely help shooting. And we've seen a lot of people be way better jump shooters in the bubble than they are in real life. So or in previous real ba- NBA basketball. So I'm not 100% ready to buy Murray yet as a number one guy. And just, I mean, the fit-wise, obviously, is a lot better for Philly if you have Murray. But I don't know. I just don't know if I'm ready to buy it yet. Just kind of betting on the Simmons being an overall better player. Yeah. yeah maybe I'm high on bubble basketball, but Murray was just incredible. But yeah, I, I think that it would never happen. But I just wanted to ask you which side you're on there. Um... Okay, another quick one, just kind of similar like that on a lower scale. Josh Richardson and then Mike Scott for salary for Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah, I mean, I would love that from the Sixers, but not the Bucks. Bucks? Pacers? I'm sorry, yeah. The Bucks <laughs> should be should, the Bucks. Yeah, it should be the Bucks. Uh, yeah, from the Pacers, I don't love that. Yeah, that probably just, at the end of it comes down to your valuation of the two players. Um, so going back to Tobias Harris a little bit, I think one thing I'm surprised we haven't – well, not surprised. I mean, there's so much, so many potential things to talk about. Uh, this is another Bill Simmons one here, but the idea of getting Mike Conley to the Sixers. And, oh, so just basically the – Versions I wrote down was Tobias Harris for Conley straight up or Al Horford in a first for Conley. So feels like feels like it's not enough for Utah to get back. Yeah. Conley I is mean, like 34. And it's only a one-year deal. Yeah, that's that's another we've talked about this discussion a few times too before. It's like, okay. Yeah, this person is on the worst contract, but at the end of the day, you are getting this player that is like still a good NBA basketball player for longer, but it's just like longer of a bad contract, but at the end of the day, it's still more of having that player. So, And if I guess Utah, they have a pretty – could be interesting, could be boring offseason coming up, some of the decisions they have to make. Um, but maybe they're just like, okay, we were great, and we barely even had Conley in the playoffs, so maybe we just uh, – or often still great putting the ball in Mitchell's hands. So it's like maybe we double down and get Horford, just get another defense guy, or we trade Gobert from Horford, or it's like we think Tobias Harris and Bogdanovich like could basically do what Bogdanovich does, but just have that from two both your forward spot now. What if um, what if you did Tobias and Shake Milton or Tobias in a first? Would you still do that if you're Philly? 
Because then if I'm Utah, maybe... Because, like, they could maybe just move Mitchell down to the one or find, like, if it's Milton, someone who could, you know, give you small guard minutes. And Conley's so old and it's a one-year deal that, like, maybe I don't mind having Tobias Harris along with the other wings that they already have. Yeah, then that might be a little tough for me, for Philly, to give up Milton to just someone who knows a high-volume three-point shooter, something you desperately need. But, yeah, you probably that, – that's my that might be where the conversation leads to. Um, so one famous one, too, is getting C.J. McCollum to the Sixers. And one iteration out there is Ben Simmons for – kind of at the Kimball Walker one, like Ben Simmons and then CJ plus whatever um, capital to kind of even it out value-wise. But one thing I did was um, Josh Richardson and Tobias Harris for CJ and Gary Trent, just straight up those two. The thing about how toxic CJ's contract is, too, it's basically the same contract as Tobias Harris, but it's longer. It's, I think it's he still like – Actually, it might be even. He might have four more years under contract, but it's either four or five. But do you think Portland thinks it's toxic? No, I, like I. They just thinking, they just extended him, right? Yeah, I know you can't think about this deal from like Portland's point of view because oh. they love CJ and all that. I'm just kind of trying to think value wise, yeah. uh, like or not. I didn't mean not from Portland's point of view. I meant like just not in the state of mind at their front office how they just love CJ and probably never traded. Yeah, yeah, I knew. Yeah, I knew. Yeah. Yeah. So if you remove that. Yeah, because Richard, maybe Harris replaces like 80% of the offense. Richardson replaces some of the, the rest of the creating yeah. and, and defense and the rest of the offense. So, yeah, I, I actually don't mind that. And then CJ just gives you that shooting, gives you your on-ball guy and someone who you know can like score in the playoffs and create in the playoffs. Gary Trent gives you a little 3 and D to replace Richardson's 3 and D. Yeah, I mean, I think Portland for sure turns that down, but just from value perspective and as an interesting trade, I, I don't I don't mind it. Yeah. Um, another thing I'm actually kind of surprised we haven't talked about is we talked about the Chicago pod, though, was Zach Levine getting him to join the core of Simmons and Embiid. Just because he's kind of, if you take out his bad habits, he's like the exact player I'd say like um, needs to fit the perfect like it's the perfect fit between those guys because like when I talked about Buddy Heal and I was like he's basically the perfect fit. The only thing he's missing is being like a pretty good on ball scorer. And then when we talked about like Devonte Graham, like how he's like really good on ball and shoots lots of pull up threes and spot up threes and deep threes, like all the things you want. He's not really the um, doesn't really quite have the size that coexists out there and are just like really shut. Yeah, and like doesn't have the penetration, and like probably don't trust him spotting up quite as much, or like the athleticism to run with Simmons and like tra- transition. Like I think Zach Levine has like all those qualities. He has a lot of things that like makes him not quite the player that his like qualities could make him. Like he's a lot of bad habits, but I mean, it just he does have all the things to basically be looking for for a player to put in between Simmons and Bean. So I think we actually talked about weighing his value versus Josh Richardson. Uh, for the Bulls pod, because, like, if you – I mean, I don't really know. That's a tough decision, like, if you're having to pick, like, who's just a better player out of the two. But I guess going back to something I talked about earlier, um, just the, how much I, extra weight I give to being a primary creator, even if – like, 
I mean, Levine, I don't know, he put up really good efficiency numbers doing it, but didn't really lead to success. But right. he's still a primary on-ball guy. So I said uh, Richardson, Scott for salary, and then Zaire Smith for Levine. Probably to talk Chicago into doing it, you have to throw like that uh, OKC pick in just so they can – they're probably not going to do it if they're not getting some like first-round pick out of it, but – yeah, I think yeah. I'm scared to even. I think I'm scared to even weigh in because I might have said the opposite on the Chicago pod. <laughs> exactly, I don't remember like, what I said there, but because now I'm thinking that would be great for the Sixers for all the reasons you just said. And I think I might have said like Richardson in a vacuum is like a more valuable player. Well, I, I think I said it for like a high level like playoff team. Yeah, and I still think that that is mostly true, but for the Sixers specifically because. They have a lot of, like, the defense with Embiid, Simmons, and even Thibault, and they specifically need the shot creation and the getting buckets. I think that I would like it for the Sixers in this case. And I actually do think Chicago would probably want a little bit more than just Josh Richardson for one year. So, yeah, I bet they would want a first-rounder. But it's just hard to say, like, do the Bulls love Levine or not? Like, I don't think he's overly valuable to their franchise, but... Like, how much do they like him is the main question. But I like the structure. Yep. Um, We are almost through. I got a lot. Let me me do a couple of quick ones just for fun. So, what is... Yeah, I was going to say, I actually do have a good bit more in my uh, Joel Embiid section that we can fly through to finish with. Okay, so this is mostly just for fun, but I do want to hear what you think. What about Embiid for Wiggins? The second pick in this draft and the 2021 first. Like, does Philly I, consider that? I had that same deal down, except um, I added Looney and Pascal just to get a little more value in there and to get them a, at least a center coming over. Okay. Um, well, I don't think the Warriors care about those guys if it means in beads. So yeah. You can throw them into mine as well. <laughs> I mean, I think. It's, I think it's obviously another one where it's like, okay, what's the situation with Embiid? I think a straight-up healthy Embiid, probably not. I mean, because just like you said, are we gonna be, is, are they going to be the next team to be like, okay, well, if we can get Wiggins to do this and do this, then maybe he's a player. And I just don't think Philly's the environment for that, and I just don't think it'd happen. I think it has to be like a perfect environment like Golden State. Um, I mean, that's two great draft assets, though. So you're looking at adding – one of LaMelo Ball and Anthony Edwards in this year, then potentially top, I mean, with... Or Wiseman, if you love Wiseman, to <laughs> replace Embiid. Yeah. Um, you know, I wouldn't take that, though. Uh, no, I know. You would. You would. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm a little higher on Minnesota's chance, too, to get closer to top 10, or, like, maybe get outside of that top 10, but still, I mean, that's a great draft asset. There's still there's potential for that to be another top four pick. Who knows? I mean, I think it'll be lottery, but I and mean, it's one more quick point. So for Philly, the opportunity cost of Wiggins's bad deal is almost nothing if you're going to keep Horford and Harris, like you're capped out forever. So for them, it's just like a three and D wing that can't really shoot threes and doesn't really play good defense. But like you said, you can maybe sell yourself on increasing his value but like maybe to philly the negative value of his contract is like almost a moot point i mean you probably shouldn't look at it like that in terms of just like value when you're making a trade but realistically their opportunity cost of of 
pulling in Wiggins is almost nothing. Yeah. Maybe if you're, like, really high, too, on, like, one of the top two guys, like, um, if you really think, like, Anthony Edwards is going to be, like, a high-end scorer, the metal ball is going to be, like, one of the next, like, like legit great pick-and-roll guys and great you think guards in the Warriors, league. You think the Warriors would do that? Yeah. I mean, I don't see any reason. As, uh, they're not even in, like, Boston's chance. Like, they're not, like, giving up a Jalen Brown plus Marcus, Marcus Smart here. I mean, yeah. They're giving up great draft picks, but, I mean, they're still getting someone pretty young and another top, like, 12 guy in the league to add to their core is definitely going to help them win championships now and gives them more, potentially more than the two picks anyway going forward. If you just look at average expected value of, like, the number two pick plus whatever, let's say, number five that Minnesota pick is, like, I mean, I think Embiid is still better than, like, both those two. Uh it's just a fun one. Yeah. Let's see. I kind of have, have a, Yeah. Oh, you go for yours. Okay. Another one, just quick fun one. Uh, Embiid and Simmons are rumored to not get along. What about just Embiid for Towns? Oh, that's super interesting. I think I've heard that one before. Just. Oh, if you keep Horford too. Yeah, just straight up. Yeah. I mean, you still have your defense at m- most positions. Like, obviously, center is like the most important defense position. Simmons, uh, Richardson, Horford for defense as well. Yeah, and just I mean, Carl Anthony Towns being like a ten threes a night at forty percent. Yeah, that's like like coupling him with Ben Simmons. That's like I've always talked about how I want to get Ben Simmons to play with Russell and Towns in Minnesota. Like, I think that's a great fit. Um, but then if you look at – you go with, like, Philly's already, like, better infrastructure and a few pieces that now all of a sudden, like, this, like, puzzle starts to really, like, make a lot of sense with, like, Horford and, like, the big man combo makes a ton more sense now. Uh, just, like, some of your offensive pieces click a lot. And you're betting on the health, too. I think I do that. Like, not even, like – I think I just do that in general. Like you don't have to put any any like situations behind it because the health is like the final factor for me. It's like let's say worst case, this might make us a little worse. Um but it's like the fit is so much better and the health is better. It's like yeah, I mean I think I do that. Do you do that as Minnesota though? So I think there's a lot of logic behind it. They are terrible at defense and B can shore up their defense. Um they still do have Russell, who can shoot. Beasley, who they're probably going to resign. Wancho ex- uh, extends the floor as well. Um, I probably don't do it. I'm definitely a little bit biased because I like Towns. But if Towns, you know, these rumblings, I don't know if you saw, like, some friend of an agent of a cousin something said, like, Towns is as good as gone. But it didn't say, like, it was this year. It just kind of, I don't know, yeah. it's just like a general thing. Um so if you factor that in, like maybe, um, then you got the injury concerns. I probably wouldn't do it, but I probably wouldn't argue strongly against someone who said that that they should do it. Like, do you think Minnesota should do it or would do it? Uh, I mean, I, can't, I think I have the like, exact same boat as you. Probably I would lean no, but I mean, you, yeah. I, it's not like something I'd hate if they did it. And I think you can definitely justify it. So. Justify it, yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, here's one I have for Embiid to Portland. So, 
just swap them out with Nurk, and then you include Simon, Scary Trent, and three firsts. So Nurk is just uh, not a great fit with Simmons, obviously, but Simon, Scary Trent Jr., pretty good fit, three first round picks, and then Nurk's still a pretty good overall player. Yeah, I think the value is fine. I just, I guess, for Philly, I kind of have to make another trade or like figure out yeah. what the new configuration would be. Yeah, I think Portland does that in a heartbeat, honestly. But uh, Philly, that's one of the ones in the, like, that falls under the idea behind, okay, how much does this really help me now? And is it re- there's no real gym in this. Like, how much is my future really um, improved by this? What about this one? This one definitely at least covers the future angle. Um, Embiid for DeAndre Ayton, Kelly Oubre Jr., and two first-round picks, including this year. So you're getting, a, you know, you're getting at least like the number ten pick. And think about it with Philly too. With they want to modernize uh, Ayton a little bit, have him spread his range a little bit more, and just maybe have him like rim run a little more than what he does. So I'm actually not sure if I'd do that if I was Phoenix. Really? I don't think I don't I'd know. do that as Philly, because I think you can get a better <laughs> offer that makes like more roster construction sense, but I think that's still like, good value behind it, basically. Yeah, I, I think I'm just a little bit lower on a team that isn't knocking on the championship door of acquiring Embiid just because of the health, because of the personality or body issues and all that jazz. So I think I'm more likely, like, if I'm Boston or Golden State, to go ahead and go for Embiid. And, like, I almost see Embiid as, like, only going to be elite for, like, three more seasons. Maybe that's going to be really dumb and he's going to be great into his 30s. But for me, like, I I don't really want... Embiid, if I'm like a bad or mediocre team, or I'm not like giving up all my yeah. all my war chest to get him. No, I actually think that's a great point because it's like, what a, what are we doing here? Like, okay, now we're the sixth seed, but we sacrifice so much of our future for something that's a huge risk. Exactly. Uh, and like, I mean, even if things work out perfect, like, do we know we're getting fully engaged in Embiid and all sorts of things like that? So. Yeah, completely great points you made. What about this one? This one, I, yeah, I'm just, I'm just gonna say I don't even know how I feel about this. So this is interesting to talk about. Uh, Embiid for Bam, Andre Iguodala, and Duncan Robinson. Like, does Miami even want to shake up their team? But I mean, Embiid definitely is better than Bam, I guess. But Bam's like perfect at their system like he's so good at the, the throwing it to him in the elbow but maybe they're like okay we don't want to shake it up because we made it to the finals with this roster or maybe that okay we lost three to one or four to one four two in the finals maybe we need to not be scared to take one step up and get another superstar so it's like i see both sides from miami but uh, it, yeah like, wow that's super interesting and and Embiid and butler are best friends are they though? That's what I'm confused about. So I keep seeing Embiid tweeting like, shout like I I raise emoji when Jimmy Butler does something and like 
part of a champion or all these weird things. But yeah. like, they were just on the team together, and he couldn't get them to stay. So I don't know. I'm confused. Well, they were they were super close from what I remember, and just like all the public interactions and stuff like that, and all like the random reports that would come out, and like social media stuff. Like they'd always be like they'd comment, they'd come on each other's Instagram stuff, and that become a story. Um, yeah, so I'm pretty confident that they're like close friends. And think about like we've all the common theme of this pod is like, okay, is NBA gonna buy in or is he gonna like get in shape? Well, yeah, you have no choice but to do that in Miami. That might be enough. Yeah. If I was like, okay, one of my favorite lines, fat is potential. Um, maybe where I'm like, okay, Miami culture is gonna get the absolute best case out of Embiid. Oh, but that's just so tough because, I mean, Bam is, like, literally so perfect at doing what they do. They just throw it to him on the elbow. He's so good at being, like, mobile and running these DHOs with shooters who are already coming off, like, double pin-down screens. Like, he's so perfect for their offense. So, if I think I have a greater than 40% chance of getting Giannis from the Heat, I don't do it. But True. if I think that... The team I have is kind of the team I have. Butler is not young by any means. He's like 31. Uh, Dragic is like going to be 35, I think, before next season. If, I, if I'm if i looking at the next two to three years, then i probably do it. But I don't know if I want to shove all my eggs in because I just think Bam is like the perfect fit. He's still on his rookie deal. And then from Philly, the same thing. I don't even know. Like I want to say I would do it, but... Then I'm like, wow, the ceiling of Bam versus the ceiling of MB is not quite there. And, I mean, Duncan Robinson is a great role player to have, but he's not going to be the reason I'm going to trade my franchise cornerstone. And then Iguodala, yeah. like, he's also a great player to have, but, I mean, his his window is one more season, and maybe two, of, like, playable, playability. So, ultimately, I actually think I might turn it down if I was both teams, but that is really interesting. Yeah, definitely interesting. What else you got? I'm starting to get pretty close. Okay, so you mentioned this briefly, but you didn't actually throw it out there. So how about D'Angelo Russell and the first overall pick for Simmons? Wow. Um, I didn't think about something like that just because of something we talked about the Minnesota pod, just how much they wanted to uh, play together. But, yeah, those reports you talked about, about how, like, Towns apparently is, like, might be out or something like I just recently I saw those when they started circulating too and I was like didn't he just like force his hand to get his team yeah. and now they have the number one pick and like they really want to get Devin Booker too like isn't this what he wants at least the Minnesota version and he's still under contract for a while doesn't even have the fifth year player option but um yeah so doesn't I make any of, sense yes yeah, that's why like when we did that pod I didn't look at any like D'Angelo Russell type trades or anything but yeah, I mean, value-wise, I love that for Philly because um, we've always struggled. Like, I've always struggled with my opinion on Russell, but if I know I have great defense behind him plus other shot creators and, like, people who are capable shooters, like, I think you're getting a pretty good version of him, like, pretty close to the best version. Um, and then also the number one pick in the draft, get a, another flyer on, like, a super high-end guard too. Yeah, I mean, I really like that. As uh, as Philly, as Minnesota, I like you said, love the pairing of Simmons and Embiid, but or Simmons and Cat, and then I guess you're looking at bringing Malik Beasley back, 
and then kind of like I don't know what else do you have there. Like I, I think that's just too much to give up. Like I think you have to keep one of the first overall pick and Russell to do that. But then it's tough to get the trade done by doing that. I don't know if there is a way to do it. Maybe like how we talked about in the pod, like you've got to work at, but get real creative and work a beastly sign and trade into it. But yeah, I mean, I, I like. Think, I think I like it's too pairing, much. But... I think it's too much to give up. So I, I think I actually have down that Philly would send the twenty-first pick back. But just because Minnesota has so few ways to actually get players in that could possibly improve the roster, so yeah, they would just have Beasley, Towns, and Russell, well, and or and Simmons, and they have no cap space, and they have no pick next year to the Warriors. So yeah, I forgot they had the seventeenth pick too. Though. Oh, yeah, so maybe two picks. maybe take out the first pick, do seventeenth. I don't know. Then maybe they like want like a super down the road first that they can actually trade. I mean, plus Russell. I mean, that's then you keep like, number one. Then you yeah, keep like the number one overall pick. Like Russell seventeen and like a twenty twenty five first or something. Yeah, I mean that's. I, then I don't know if I have, that's enough value for me as Philly, but I mean it, it, yeah, it'd be really hard to find this like middle point. But I do. Like the idea of Simmons with Cat, but also like the idea of Simmons like with the full roster a lot. But yeah, yeah there's definitely interesting. It's interesting to talk about that, but I just don't quite think there's a deal that satisfies both sides. Yeah, I'd for sure want to keep Russell or one point one, just like you said. So it, yeah. it is hard, but I thought it was interesting. Yeah. Um. Okay. Let's see. Yeah, all mine are all mine left are Embiid. Um, we don't even have to talk about this one. I'll just add it because we've kind of already talked about it a little bit. Looking at getting Levine back to the Sixers, and this time it's a deal center out of Bede. So you go Levine, the fourth pick, Wendell Carter Jr., and then Sadaransky. Uh, just getting a little bit more value. And then between Levine uh, and the fourth pick, there's decent uh, upside in the deal and just getting really young. Uh, let's see. Is that for Embiid or Simmons? For Embiid. So I was looking at Simmons and Levine kind of being your core, then fourth pick plus Wendell Carter Jr. being solid pieces, and then Sato just for salary and being a solid piece. Um, so I wrote some stuff with Cleveland, too, for Embiid. If they just wanted to cash some chips in, I don't see any reason why – they, that would be the right move for them to do, but you never know. And I don't even know how much I like these. I don't even really like these deals at all. Honestly, I guess he's probably falling into the category of he's got some real health problems out there. But maybe something around like Larry Nance, Chetty Osmond to get the salary up and just solid players and sh- um, get some shooting in there. Then Garland, this year's pick, and like a future first. Maybe switch Garland out with Kevin Porter Jr. or switch Chetty out with one of them. And then I also did a structure that has Kevin Love going too. So, because I really would like that fit. Simmons and Kevin Love. So, I talked about too about how I think Kevin's Love defense could be okay just because of betting on his IQ. And then if you have Simmons and a few other good defenders around him, maybe it makes it could be even more acceptable. But uh, Kevin Love, Garland, Kevin Porter Jr., and then this year's first. That one actually is a good bit of value. But, uh, yeah, those are just some things I've tossed around. You don't have to comment on them if you don't have any thoughts. 
you know, it's it's crazy how many different trades you can make, right? Like you can almost come up with something with every team. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely a, a probably makes more sense to do a Simmons one to Cleveland and like keep one or two of the guards, like do like one or two of the guards picks, yeah. like a Chetty or something like that. But because like so we talked about, with, we are not actually convinced those Cleveland guards are great, but like you or even that are good enough to be a primary ball handler because they were so terrible at passing and like. That doesn't seem to be their skill, even though they took point guards two years in a row. So, like, you'd want to keep maybe one of them, but, like, also bring in a guy that can actually run run the show. Yeah, worst case, uh, Simmons has to be your point guard. Best case, he's, the other guard is worthy of it, and he can be, like, your secondary creator and just your transition guy. And, like, to touch on your point about the guards, like, in Philly, it's kind of just, like, the theme we've kind of talked about a lot, how Philly's other strengths can mask a lot of the weaknesses that some of these like small guards can't really defend uh, and have just like other bad habits. Philly probably can mask some of that. So yeah, there's definitely some things there. Uh, I'm pretty close to being done. How much more do you have? I have a few more. So you might actually like this one. I don't know. So what about the Pelicans sending Drew Holiday, Josh Hart, for Simmons, and and a future Laker first, I should say. It's probably yeah. light going back to Philly, but no, I, I really like that. Yeah, I probably want a little more value for Philly. It's it's kind of like this Kemba thing. So how much do I value the help now, even though it's like an older guy? Um, but I, I'm a huge Drew Holiday guy, big fan of Josh Hart as well. Uh, yeah. New Orleans is definitely a team I really like for um, for Ben Simmons. I just, I just didn't make it all the way through my Ben Simmons teams. Like I had just gotten so many trades and ran out of time. I didn't finish all my Ben Simmons trades. But like for the Sixers, Drew Holiday would be perfect. I think Hart is another shooter. And then like a pick because I think Simmons is probably still the best player clearly in that deal. But then if you're the Pelicans, you got Ingram, Zion, and Simmons. And then like a bucket of picks still, even if you trade one in this. And then you have like six plus years to figure it all out with three young stars. Love to see uh, Kevin O'Connor's takes about who's actually better between Ben Simmons and Brandon Ingram. (laughs) When they're on the same team. Yeah, Uh, the transition would be insane though. Ben Simmons and Zion running together. Just think about the creativity you can have in lineups. Like, Think about lineups where Ben Simmons is your point guard and Zion's your center. (laughs) Just stuff whoever in the middle. Like you got enough. Yeah, and you would have, and those guys are all under contract for a while. And you'd have, I mean, obviously Ingram's restricted this year, but you're gonna be able to give him whatever you want or match whatever is given to him. So like, you got all the time in the world and all the extra picks. Like, I would love that if I was the Pelicans. And then Philly, like, it's kind of like a win now-ish move. Yeah. Holiday is a better fit. It is really clunky. All those like forward size guys who been some or Brandon Ingram can shoot, but he still doesn't have like crazy gravity and. It's clunky, but like the fact that Zion's an athletic freak and Ben Simmons an athletic freak can make up for a good bit of it and stag- minute staggering, things like that. Like, definitely, it's not the worst problem. It's like a good problem to have, uh, especially considering all of their ages. Uh, yeah, that'd be super interesting. Like, I love the idea of getting Drew Alden back to Sixers and Ben Simmons over there. Um, hit me with another one. So how about Chris Paul? So to get it, to work, I had Horford, Mike Scott, Zaire Smith. How are we just now getting to this, like, actually pretty realistic one, two hours? Yeah, I mean, so this one, it, yeah, I, I don't know. I agree. But 
so the money works if we do Scott and Zaire with it. OKC trims like six million dollars, two first round picks. I have and then Chris Paul to the Sixers. I mean, that's just exactly what they want. They don't even have to give up and beat or Simmons here. And Horford's not the greatest deal, obviously, but I think it's declining. And I mean, it's cheaper than Chris Paul. And you're getting two more first. So OKC just has like every first round pick. It feels like get a flyer and Zaire Smith. Chris Paul, I mean, they got first round picks just to acquire Paul. Obviously, making out great on the trade as a whole. Uh, what do you think? Um, yeah, definitely like that from both sides. I think it might be even a little heavy from Philly. Like, I don't know you have to give that much up because I feel like maybe just one first. Yeah, because it's like I know there's going to be a few teams probably interested in getting him after how he played this year, and it's going to be weird. It's going to be really interesting to see the assets teams are willing to give up. But when you consider like other bad contracts can be involved, that's probably where like the assets start to increase. But it's funny from OKC, it's like no matter what, they're probably saving money in the deal, but yet they're going to be compensated for taking on bad contracts, which is, I mean, just shout out to Sam Presti. I mean, that's a great situation to be in. Um, yeah, I don't know. I was just thinking so like big scale and randomness. I think I could put this one just completely across my mind, but like that makes a ton of sense and that might make them like a legit championship contender, I think. Um another structure, maybe just do like Tobias Harris straight up for Chris Paul. And like the idea there is kind of like how they had to take on Gallo for the Paul George deal. It's like, okay, you get this veteran who maybe doesn't you don't need or whatever, but uh you can let him play his trade value up or something like that. And Maybe Philly still has to attach like the 20th, give the Thunder their pick back, but um, just because the years thing, but it's still cheaper than Chris Paul. They'd still be saving money, not in totality, but in the next like uh, two years where the contracts overlap, they're still saving 10 to 12 million a year, have a chance to stay in the playoff hunt or turn what was like already like two assets ago into another asset. Like you just keep playing Tobias Harris until he's like positive or neutral value, then you do the same thing, take on another bad contract, get an asset attached. I think you could really extend, um, just kind of something we talked about before, extend the asset there, but it's like you're not like saving that much money and you're not getting off like the huge contract and you're not really, you're probably not able to start your rebuild, which would suck, which I think that is what they want to do. They want to start a rebuild, but I mean, yes, you'd have the whole Clipper game back together. SGA, Gallo, if they keep him, and Tobias Harris. Well, I didn't think about that. Uh, yeah, so I yes. guess... You can go ahead. I just, yeah. No, that's worth considering, too. I think I like the Horford one slightly better just because I don't really love Harris, but I guess for what you said, it's like the greatest pyramid scheme ever. If you just keep rolling <laughs> over, like you have a guy play for a year, rehab his value, trade him again, trade him again. That's pretty yeah. funny. The other thing you said, like they're still taking on bad money and not getting like all the way off Paul. I mean, they're not going to be able to get all the way off Paul to any team, like 41 million, yeah. like literally would have to be to like the Hawks or the Knicks. And even the Knicks, I think, are a little shy of 41 million. So, like, regardless, they're going to have to take some money back. And I can't imagine they expect to be taking, like, a good contract back just straight up for Paul. Like, they would have, like, that just is not going to happen because Paul makes 41 and then, like, 44 million. So, they'll have to take some bad money back regardless, which is why I think Horford or even Harris, uh, if they're compensated correctly, could work. Uh, I think I only have one more 
And I don't even know if I like it, but I'm going to run it by you. So the Spurs would be acquiring Ben Simmons. So I have Murray, DeRozan, Keldon Johnson, and a first. Hmm. Keldon Johnson came on a little bit in the bubble. Murray obviously plays point guard. It doesn't help their spacing really, but just young, athletic. A lot of people like his upside still. Like Rosen is for salary purposes, but like they actually could use a playmaker on the wing. Like Tobias Harris kind of failed in that role as like the third ball handler for them last year. And also if doesn't help their taking, spacing. But. If well, if he's taking Simmons' spot, like maybe that is better spacing. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah. Actually, that is something that actually crossed my mind. I was like, "Oh, it doesn't help their spacing, but well, if it's replacing Simmons, it can't <laughs> yeah. be worse, right?" And yeah, in um, yeah, a first, do you think that is way too light for Simmons? Yeah, just because you probably. I mean, even though DeRozan can't help and is like not even that talks of the contract since like expiring, you pull the like negative value and like, oh, we don't need him and. And just the fact there's, like, no real gym in it. But, I mean, it's, it's definitely interesting to think about from both sides. Like, I'm a big Keldon Johnson fan, uh, big DeJounte too, Murray, right? people, Murray fan. People do too. like Murray. Like, he had a lot of upside. Um, he's a great mid-range shooter, too. Like, he's actually, like, consistently been a really good mid-range shooter. And maybe that's means there's potential for that to become a three. And I feel like the Spurs would just make the most out of Simmons. I don't know why. Yeah. Uh, you know, I agree with that, too. I think they Seems definitely like the get – quality play out of Simmons. Uh, one other one I have that I just would never happen, but it's kind of interesting. Uh, just Embiid for Chris Tapps, Porzingis, and Dallas's picks this year. So that'd be like, I think it's whatever their first round pick is, plus like the Warriors' second, which is like 31 or 32. Um, just the idea of love, uh, if Porzingis was the center that Simmons was playing with, kind of like with Cat, just like a center who's firing it away from super deep from three, just giving him all that space. And I don't really know how it worked for <laughs> Dallas. I mean, I guess maybe you just tell yourself that Joe Embiid's a little better than Porzingis, and that's why. But I don't think that fits better at all. So, yeah. Yeah, Luca. <laughs> Luca is just like such a ball dominant guy that it's. I think Porzingis is a great fit with him. Yeah, but I wish I had something better to end on. Like I wish I'd have been a little more organized. I just like bouncing around, but. Do you have a favorite one from either of us? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll tweet it out. Like I, my brain's not working right now. <laughs> Mine might be the Charlotte one. Yeah, I think no, that's actually interesting. I'm going to think pretty hard about it, and we can tweet it out with a thread or something. Um, definitely, I think need to think to think over for the night. <laughs> Honestly, I'm going to think myself into like a pretzel. Though. There's no way I think I'll be able to come up with an answer. There's just so many angles for so many different ones. Uh Maybe I'll break mine down to category, which ones I like the best. I think I can yeah. do that, actually. Um, I was going to say, you almost have to preface it with, like, this is Embiid <laughs> exactly. as uh, kind of a flame out. This is Embiid if you're not sure about his health. Yeah, exactly. All right, so the last week one that I'm finishing was actually, I don't know, that was kind of interesting. Embiid for Paul George and Zubac. I think this is a Bill Simmons one, too, but I don't think he had Zubac in it, but I just figured I'd add him since Philly would need a center coming back to him, and there's no real role for him there. Philly's getting PG and Zubac. Also, P- 
PG should be a sixer. The year that he re-upped with the Thunder, uh, the Philly had max cap space too, and that was just literally the perfect fit. But he fell for the Russell Westbrook trap. <laughs> yeah. Embiid and Kawhi. I think my brain is fried from all these trades. Like, yeah. I'll let you give a 30-second spiel on them. I don't know. <laughs> Paul George would be real nice to Simmons. Uh, maybe Embiid's a little better than Paul George. I don't know. I'd probably like Paul George more despite his playoff failures. But I think Embiid's ceiling's a little higher. I mean, actually, I don't know. Paul George was a top three MVP candidate last year. So, I don't know. Yeah. Really, we don't need to talk about it. <laughs> okay. Um, I like the yeah. star for star trades. They never happen, but they're definitely fun to think about. Yeah, they're super interesting. Um, my brain's fried. Your brain's fried. We've talked about Philly for two hours and fifteen minutes now. Um, it is one thirty-three a.m. <laughs> and yeah, basically exactly what I expected. <laughs> yes, I will. I came prepared with a parting shot for you, kids at home. Learn how to throw an entry pass, and you might find a spot on the championship level squad. <laughs> on the Lakers. Yes. Uh, yeah, it was pretty rough. I, that was part of my theory behind uh, the Rockets and small ball. And that actually came to fruition a little bit in the first, like, two or three games. There's a, or it was a... Yeah, it was the first game. That's kind of like, why is that? Okay, they have a real chance. They won the game for the reasons they were supposed to win the game. Like, the L.A. turned the ball over a million times trying to feed the post, and that's just what happens. Like, post-entry passes aren't easy, but it's a fundamental thing you got to have. All right. That's we, – we left them with some good old fundamental talk. If <laughs> anyone made it to this point, probably talked about 100 trades. Hopefully my brain can remember some of these to post on Twitter. Uh, we can definitely talk about – we got to message each other, remind each other which ones to post. But, uh, yeah, I'll, I'm just rambling. We can, we'll call it there. We'll talk to you all next time when we do the next team or whatever next pod we do.